Sheriff Tom Wopat has spent his life protecting the mean streets of Maxville County from organized crime, murderous Revolutionary War reenactors, and Prattlers galore. But at long last, he's finally hanging up his spurs. At first, the ex-sheriff struggles to adjust to retirement until he finds a new passion. Watch this tough-as-nails former lawman plunge headfirst into the cutthroat world of making t-shirts with confrontational statements about extreme sports on them in County Line, No Fear. Wah, wah, wah. You're signing over the family business to me. Well, why would I do that? You're weak, Dad. He's a sadistic psychopath. There's evidence linking the family to organized crime. Witnesses have a bad habit of not showing up to my trial date. You're not planning on negotiating with Zed, are you? All I'd ask that you be less competent at your job. I swore an oath and I can't break it. Yes, you can. You will. Let go of me. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to sit around when I got a friend in trouble. I didn't want to get you involved. Bet you're starting to wish you still had your badge. Sherman, trilogies. Yeah. They're a thing. Are they good? Are they bad? Do they outlive? Do they outstay their welcome? What makes one good? What what makes one bad? What makes one say that was a satisfying conclusion? Or I hope this turns into a full fledged franchise. You know, I don't think I don't think since I was a child have I seen the third movie in a in a trilogy and thought, you know what I want? More of this. I hope they keep making more of these. I am I usually think, oh, they should have stopped at one. Or, oh well, this one is better than the previous one, but I don't trust them to get it right again. Like that's mm. I, so I think the only movie the only trilogy that I finished and thought I hope they make a hundred million of these was in like the mid nineties when I saw Indiana Jones and the last crusade on TV and was like, Oh my God, this movie rules. I mean, it would rule in theaters too. That's just my first experience with it. They should keep making them. And then they kept making them and they've been pretty disappointing. So uh, I've, I've ever (laughs) since then, I've just not trusted that. Has there Mm. been one of those for you? Um, I mean, I, I can definitely back the, Last Crusade argument, I saw that in theaters and uh, proceeded to just be Indiana Jones in my everyday life for the next year. So was uh, whether whether they whether I had to wait 20 years for a sequel, um, I was living that sequel life, that franchise life just uh, in the streets. And, and t- tell me about the hat land and tell me what kind of hat you bought at that point in I your life. A, I had a whip. You had oh. <laughs> Not where I expected you to go with that. That is not the accessory that I expected you'd go with from Indiana Jones. I guess better that than a gun, but did you learn how to crack the whip? Uh, I did, yes. In Mm. fact, um, Mm. long story short, my cousin and I used to do these videos in my basement and Uh, 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 like (laughs) parody videos, just like fun sketches and stuff. Yeah, fun. And uh, there was a video where I had the whip. And this is completely unintentional and super lucky. I cracked the whip and yanked the glasses from his face. I mean, I was not intending to. <laughs> I was just trying to crack it near him. Jesus. And it went to his glasses, pulled them off. He was unharmed uh, outside of us both just being shocked. Okay. I mean, was that was that the last time? Did you hang up the whip after that? You realize, like, <laughs> this is too much yes. power? <laughs> and also... Yeah. 
You, also, if I saw Indiana Jones do that in one of the movies, if like some Nazi scientist is putting on his glasses and Indiana Jones just like whips him off his face, you're not going to read that. That book belongs in a museum. Like that would be, I would consider that to have jumped the shark, that that would not be a realistic thing any human could do. But you did it in your basement on video? Yeah. <laughs> do you have the video? Uh, He does. Yes. I would if I I would watch a trilogy of videos about you in the suburbs in Michigan in the 90s discovering that you are some kind of whip oriented superhero. That would I, that would be good. I would go for a thousand movies of that. Oh my goodness. Um well, you know, there might be more video footage of that out there, but we're not here today to talk about my past. We're here today to talk about the future of Mr. Tom Wopat. Oh man. Uh, and and Alden, Sheriff Alden in the county line. What is the future of the county line? What, what is the future of the county? Well, I mean, the diner is going to get rebuilt because it gets burned down in this movie. Sto- spoiler alert. Mm. I mean, I feel like... I, well, there's also a romance in which the county line could be blurred. Could... Okay, I've heard about gerrymandering and yes. redrawing district lines. Oh, yeah, get can, ready, can baby. Can you do that? Five minutes can in. You, can you do that with love? I'm, okay, can you can you gerrymander your way into someone's heart? Is what you're saying? Like you you <laughs> yes. you redraw you redraw the lines of their hearts so that like seven of the valves are on one side, and that means that you're in in love with with the person. I don't know, or they're in love with you. I mean, I guess I think that more than anything, the the concept of <laughs> what what I think County Line Three No Fear does is it does kind of take the the concept introduced in the first County Line movie, which is what if there were two sheriffs in adjoining counties who were best buds to what if there were two sheriffs in adjoining counties and they kissed like that's <laughs> i mean that's that, i mean that i would have watched that with with jeff fahey i i i too would have but the world and maybe the insp tv audience was not quite ready for that <laughs> um yeah we're back we're back with more county line should i just run us through the the events of of this here outing for those of you who who the, for those of you who didn't give Amazon four dollars or patronize their local library to watch <laughs> the third in a series of made for very basic cable uh, sheriff movies starring Tom Wopat. I, I mean, if you can improve upon the synopsis you gave before the the theme, uh, do so. Yes, it's well. There you, there may be some parallel structure going on here because I wrote both of them fairly close to each other. Sheriff Alden Rockwell, a.k.a. Sheriff Wopat, as we all know him, is finally retiring. But when he and Sheriff Joanne Porter run afoul of big city gangster Zed Dalton, Dalton moves to Maxville County to unleash an epic crime wave that threatens to overwhelm the new and inexperienced Sheriff Dante Hill. Much to his sweetheart Maddie's dismay, Sheriff Wopat must come out of retirement, rough up some prattlers, and even read a book in order to take down his most fearsome foe yet. So. So. So, let's, you know what, let's start with the Fearsome Foe. The Fearsome Foe, yes. Do, we, do, we've, we've, we have two episodes covering Sheriff Wopat's adventures. We kind of got his deal, if you've listened to the previous episodes, which I highly recommend you do. Not for our our sake, <laughs> but, I well, you should watch the first two County Line movies. Truman, well, okay, should, let me ask you, you this, Truman. That was How a, do you that's feel a... about this this movie? How do I feel about this movie compared to this? I mean, yeah. look, I first take issue with the blanket statement, you should watch the other two County Line movies. De- this depends on how much just free time you have in your life. If you have, like, kids and a really demanding job and you have, like, four hours to yourself per week, 
I, unless you really care about Tom Wopat or, or, or County Justice, watch other things or do other stuff with your time. If you're a single unemployed we, person... We, we disagree and we're in disagreement. I, I don't think of... I can't think of four better hours you could spend than watching both County Line movies. You could probably actually fit all three into four hours. They are brief, and I, 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 I salute them for that. Um, I don't I don't like this one as much as County Line 2. I think it's a yeah. real... It, it's... It's kind of amusing to see the the um, Batman and Spider-Man uh, curse replicated in county lines where first one is like, yeah, pretty good. And then the second one is amazing. And then the third one is, eh, well, they could have just stopped it, too. Um, <laughs> I guess my that's my feeling about trilogies is there should basically be more sequilogies where we have ah. a humdinger of a sequel and then we just call it quits. Yeah, that's that's not a you know do do your Bill and Ted. Although I guess that, that's a trilogy now too. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Trilogies come around. What did you what did you think about this one? You 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 feel like the, you agree? It, it had a lot of promise. Uh, <laughs> the opening really was like we got a new bad boy in town, and he ain't old. Oh like, yeah, what, he's gonna give Wopat a run for his money. Yeah, he's he gonna really. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't. I've been I've been sitting here trying to come up with a single baseball pun about what uh, about what Zed Dalton is going to do to uh, Sheriff Wopat, and I can't. I haven't got a thing. I don't know. He's he's going to hit a grand slam of crime, but he does not. He doesn't. No, there really isn't. Uh, he he's really doesn't step out of the batter's box. I mean, <laughs> the the coach never really puts him in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's he, the big twist of the movie, which we'll get to. I don't want to ruin that quite yet, but I, uh, I, I don't. I don't want to make take shots from the peanut gallery, but I don't think he's a crackerjack villain. I think that mainly he succeeds because everyone decides to let him do crimes. Uh, but there's, I, I will expand on that later in the episode. <laughs> now who's doing the foreshadowing, Truman? I learned it from watching you, Dad. What can I say? <laughs> okay, that feels weird. Uh, <laughs> let's. Talk about Casper Van Dien as the villain. Sergeant Johnny Rico back again. Back from <laughs> back from the bug planet. Um yeah, the the opening of this movie starts with him. Like a, I think I made the Columbo comparison in the last episode. Yeah. Uh where you start with the crime. You start with the killer. You start knowing who Sheriff Wopat is gonna have to go up against. And I actually it it starts with this big sweeping wide shot of a baseball stadium and uh old old daddy Casper Van Dien is sitting there. Well no not Casper Van Dien isn't the old daddy. It's Casper Van Dien's old daddy. Like well, yeah, well that's what I meant. Yes, I know. Just making sure people aren't picturing an old daddy Casper Van Dien, because he's actually not that old of a daddy in this movie. Please continue. No, he's not. His old daddy's sitting there. Yes. And uh it I mean, we've got some real like Dallas dynasty vibes going on of, uh, you know, I, this inheritance is mine. You're too old. Step out of the, step out of the spotlight. Let me have my day in the sun sort of situation. Uh, and man, he's pretty ruthless here. Uh, Yes, he is. This is, this is basically hillbilly succession right now, uh, because it's just, and, and he resolves things, I think much more, um, I don't know. I think that if if the characters on Succession resorted to Casper Van Dien's tactics, which is basically shooting their dad in the face immediately after <laughs> making him sign over the company to them, the show would have been over in half a season. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Since you brought it up, uh, this is my first note, and you know, I realize it's pretty early in the episode for a tangent, but oh boy, I got a I got a trope to pick here. Okay, okay. 
a, a, a trope you like or a trope you hate? <laughs> well, that's open for discussion. Uh, if you are held at gunpoint and asked to do something, you will always be shot after you do the thing. So why ever do the thing? You know, okay, well, I don't know. I think that you can't really answer that question until you've had a gun pointed at you. I haven't, FYI, but I just don't want to, like, prejudge that situation because I feel like I won't be in my most rational state of mind. Fair, yeah. I mean, is that the thing? Is, like, you, you hold out hope until the very last second, until they do or do not pull the trigger? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Yeah, you always want to, you know, I think you always want to be rooting for yourself in that situation. You always want to assume the cops are going to burst in if you just delay, delay, delay. I mean, I, I think that just for most people, they don't really like having getting shot in the face as their plan A. You know, they kind of want to assume that that's just not going to happen. Um, I, I, Fair. Look, yeah, well, yes. But, but there's a big difference between, like, being mugged at gunpoint and, like, your son holding you at gunpoint to make you sign a paper. Like I mean, if, if if I'm gonna sign off the my entire rights to anything, it's like writing a check. I could just go and cancel that check uh, <laughs> after that person walks away. So I know that if I sign this, I'm gonna be shot because in their mind, I can still stop them from doing what they need to do. Yeah. The see, only way to actually stop them from doing what they need to do is not signing it and letting them kill me. I mean, it's a shame that you're not going to have kids because I'm glad that you've thought this through. I feel like a lot of, of dudes who have kids expecting them to take over his criminal business empire, they get really old, they haven't given this any thought. So in the moment, they're caught off guard and they sign it. But like, yeah, that logic is and reasoning is correct. Like, I never thought about it that way, but I guess I could just go and call my lawyer the second he walks away. Hmm. I mean, I guess I guess bad news for anyone who points a gun at me in the future. I'm just surprised <laughs> and yourself, but uh, well, I mean, yeah, if it's yeah, if, if I'm on if I'm on the wrong end of it, it's bad. Um, the main thing is that I don't get about his his dad here is his dad knows like he's got dementia and he's dying anyway. It's like, well, I mean, if the guns like it, like why yeah why give in because it's like okay, shoot me. I've I am clearly kind of at the end here. You might actually low key be doing me a favor. Like, and also I'm a defiant, tough gangster dude apparently. Well, now uh, you're making the you're going in the direction I was going, where, uh, you know, if I have dementia, I would hold out hope that I could, you know, uh, see the end of my days, and and it wouldn't be as bad as it it you know is predicted to be, and I would I would wage my my chances as long as I could with that. Wow, this is see, this is great. We've completely flipped sides of the issue as soon as I introduced the concept that the guy has dementia. Well. I mean, I guess my reasoning is, but you're also, you've been a gangster your whole life. You've had a lot of guns pointed at you. This isn't your first someone threatening to kill you, Rodeo. Which I, is why I, he's not on his knees crying at this moment. I guess. I don't know. I probably would cry, too. Okay, I feel like this is a morbid start to our comedy <laughs> podcast. So maybe let's just let's just agree that the old man being murdered by his son does the best job he can under the circumstances. But yes. The point is that Casper Van Dien now has has taken control of the of this criminal family that seems to own a always empty minor league baseball stadium in suburban Atlanta. <laughs> uh, as a front for organized crime, but yes, yeah. Um, and what I liked about this opening and is it it's I don't know I think it sets the stakes higher than this movie can really achieve because it mm -hmm. has like Greek tragedy vibes to it. Yeah, yeah, Greek Greek tragedy in in black hats. Yes, yeah, and what what had me really excited 
you know, and I, I'm not going to go point by point through this movie, but uh, what had me really excited is you have that Greek tragedy opening, and you cut to a chase scene with Tom Wopat in as many cuts as Liam Neeson hopping over a fence. <laughs> it's it do, it does set up this feeling of oh, an epic confrontation, a true a true adversary for Tom Wopat has finally arisen, and then and then to go from that to the freewheeling kind of Dukes of Hazard vibes of County Line. It almost well, felt refreshing to go back to it. <laughs> I mean, that would be fitting. Because of Tom Wopat. Because of Tom Wopat, yeah. Yes. It's it's Matlock meets <laughs> Dukes of Hazard, basically. So I I don't know uh, if he tried to slide over the hood of a, <laughs> of a Dodge Charger anymore that it wouldn't do damage to that thing, but... I, I mean, I, I don't think it would because there would be a bunch of tight cutaway shots and very wide long shots where he's facing away from us where he slides across <laughs> it perfectly. That's... You know what? If they went in kind of a MacGruber, you know, a, a more tongue-in-cheek, you know, uh, a somewhat serious type, but push it a little in the MacGruber direction, like of him running toward the car with the window down and... You know, an obvious stunt person jumping, and then Tom Wopat sitting in the seat. I'm just saying, we could take the fourth film in a new direction. I mean, yes, that that is very true. That would just require uh, that would require a little bit more budget. You'd have to hire maybe a fifth person to uh, work on and appear on screen in these movies, which I think Fair. would probably put uh, insp uh, television uh, under uh, <laughs> you know into the into the red, so yeah. to speak. Well, we don't know what the what the the budge is. We don't know what the I don't know, it's not box office. What would you the the ratings of these are? Maybe maybe they maybe they're big hits, you know? I, I, we're we're giving it the grunt work bump. They, look, they look they very well they were very well may be huge hits and maybe getting lots of viewers. That's just the number of viewers they're getting is not equating to a, a particularly large budget. Because the movies are again like Maxville County is is mainly uh, warehouses, ruined warehouses, and uh, the inside of what looks like a production office, uh, and also I guess there's a <laughs> yeah. diner. I, again, not uh, yes. not bagging on it, just saying this is not a stunt crew budget. Uh, agreed. Uh, okay, fair enough. I want to. Okay, so we're not going to go point by point through this movie, but I do want to slow jam this opening scene, <laughs> the the Wayne Chase. It it sets a tone that I unfortunately doesn't reach up to for the rest of the movie. Um, can you kind of take us point by point what what happens here? Okay, so so Sheriff Wolpat is chasing after a scraggly you know ne'er do well Wayne Prattler, one of the one of the Prattler clan who are the only ones committing crimes in Maxville County. It seems <laughs> they make up. Fifty percent of the population in this and, county, and 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 ninety percent of the uh, incarcerated population, which really makes you think about profiling. Um, but so he's chasing him through, you know, just kind of like wooded, ruined, kind of junkyard-looking area, and it's a lot of it's a lot of shots of Wayne running and looking over his shoulder, a lot of shots of the environment, and a lot of ADR'd voiceover of Sheriff Wopat hollering at Wayne to stop running um yes. not a lot of shots of sheriff wopat in pursuit really but he's <laughs> there's, saying there's a couple l lumbering shots he, he's shuffling in a few 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 moments yeah yeah i i mean th there's 
It reminds me of in The Expendables 2, a movie that also goes to great lengths to keep its action stars from ever having to run. (laughs) Like the most unsettling shot in a movie where hundreds of people get their heads blown off is this one very quick shot of Sylvester Stallone running across an airfield kind of from behind. And it just looks so unnatural and so painful. And he does it for such a short time that then you realize I have not seen him do that in like 20 years. And then it's all you can think about. It puts me in mind of another Patricia Richardson vehicle. Uh, County Line uh, 2. Of course, talking about undue influence. <laughs> Brian Denny, he had to dodge a, a sniper. God, there's, I guess the, I guess there's something about Patricia Richardson being in movies where men move in inconvincing ways. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like a new legal thriller that we should write for her. Unconvincing ways. <laughs> uh, so... Anyway, so, okay, but I want to call out some of the lines that uh, Sheriff Wopat is yelling. It starts with, Wayne, I'm getting tired of this. And then it's, there's good coffee at the station. And just more shots of Wayne running, shots of just the location. And we got our exercise. We can stop. (laughs) It's not just Wayne running. He looks like he's running from velociraptors. (laughs) Like, there's, there's a fear in his eye that I don't quite understand. It's, that's what makes this so comical to me. And and there there's okay, so this is a theme through the movie that I, I find really entertaining, which is there's a I don't know how to phrase it exactly without sounding too mean. <laughs> okay, okay, this is good. This is good. You can it, you say say it out loud and we'll decide as a group we'll vote on whether I should edit okay. it out or not. I, this might cancel me. Who knows? Can okay. Can someone be cancelled by canceling Tom Wopat? I don't know. Um it might go one for one since I think he he kind of got soft canceled anyway That's for right. some incidents. Uh, okay, <laughs> this movie goes uh, tries so hard to make him seem like a tough as nails badass in mm-hmm. in many many moments when it's like the last Death Wish movie where Charles Bronson clearly was like. I don't know. Uh, the plastic surgery was showing. He was mm-hmm. just kind of like, I'm just going to, I'm such a badass. I don't need to run. I'm just going to, well, I'm going to Mike Meyer, Michael Myers my way through this scene where I just kind of teleport from place to place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like Roger Moore in his, in his last couple of James Bond movies. Where yeah, it's like, why, yeah. Why is grandpa kissing this 20 year old girl? Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's, that's the kind of like backbone of, his character in this movie that when paired with a certain like I don't know righteous indignation for how things are unfolding I just kind of I, I can't I can't put my finger on it but it's just like it's comical to me I I mean it I has think- the exact opposite effect as it's trying to have I think in the pre the previous movie did the best job I think of striking the kind of chord that they're trying to of, you know, this guy is a slob and he's kind of like comical and lost a step, but he is, he's still bright and kind of quick on his, I don't know, quick on his feet, like just in a like mental way, not certainly in a physical running around. The the previous movie was like, yeah, he's tough, but he's, he's scrappy and he's, he's a curmudgeon, but he's fun. This one, I think just, it goes, I just don't think that it's quite as sharp because the last one. Yeah. He's actively solving a mystery. There's a lot of scenes of him questioning people and kind of having fun back and forths where he, his country wisdom prevails. And in this one, it's right. kind of, he's just sort of a, 
grumpy dude who it's kind of like the Harry uh, Dirty Harry movies where like you can kind of understand Harry's point of view from the first one even if it's like really egre- <laughs> egregious yeah uh but by the end of him it's like he's lost the like motivating factor for why he's even in the job anymore and all we really know is that he's going to do things his own way even mm-hmm. if he doesn't know why he's doing him his own way anymore um <laughs> which brings me to <laughs> the end of this chase sequence yeah, where <laughs> they, as you said, are in this kind of wasteland warehouse area with detritus everywhere. Not and... a, not a teenage wasteland. They're much older than that, but it is it is a expanse full of like junk and half ruined walls. Yeah. <laughs> Which how many how many old warehouses does this town have? Th- that th- <laughs> someone needs to check. <laughs> no one talks about the economic depression that this county is experiencing. I, I mean, maybe the reason there's so many prattlers out there committing crimes is because they all used to have jobs at these factories and warehouses that are now ruins. They used to be driving those bulldozers around, but then they got laid off when the plants closed in the 90s because of NAFTA or something, and now they're all out committing crimes. <laughs> I mean, uh, it does definitely paint the prattlers in a different light. So. Uh, th- there's all this stuff going on, and uh, I guess one of the the Wayne Prattler decides I'm gonna get away from him by starting a bulldozer. This is and a good, great plan, awesome plan. I, I don't quite understand why, but because uh, he doesn't realize that <laughs> uh, Sheriff Wopat got his boot stuck in a pallet and he's stuck to the ground. Yes, the the bulldozer starts charging right at him. So. What does Tom? Or what does Sheriff Wopat do to stop this? He, I mean, he, he shoots uh, his gun he, at the, the shovel of the bulldozer. N- like, not it is the bulldozer very clearly is unoccupied, and he also chooses to fire at like the the least likely to be affected by bullets part of the bulldozer, a gigantic iron basket. But it, uh, yeah. Oh, the most and then likely it's, thing is it's... that the bullet is going to bounce off and hit him, which would have been a hilarious start. <laughs> but suddenly we're in a Shane Black movie. Yeah. Um, then, okay, so, but this all is like pretext to juxtapose this, this tense situation with a close-up I... of Sheriff Wopat going, ah, oh, shucks, not again. Like, you can hear the voiceover almost, like... This is how things are gonna end for me. <laughs> this, this is the this is the setup for the rest of the movie, which is just a clip show from previous movies as his life flashes <laughs> before his eyes. I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised when they do that someday. But uh, okay, so just that whole thing is just ridiculous to me. Um, well, notes on that, and then I, I've got one more thing I want to add to this. Yes. Okay. I mean. Well, okay, so you say you have notes on that, or are you asking for my notes on that? Because I have plenty, well, and I don't want to step on yours. Well, I have I have one more note on the editing, but I, I want to... Just this opening chase sequence, setting things up. Like, where are you with this movie at this point? I mean, look, I am... I had, like, basically two nights before seeing this, I had uh, gone to a midnight screening of Speed Racer at the New Beverly, uh, and which was great. It's amazing. Speed Racer is the, uh, really is a phenomenal film. But there is a scene in that where Speed Racer's brother finds a bomb, and rather than just throw it away, he 
puts it in the front seat of a little go-kart, snaps a broom in half, uses the broomstick to push down the accelerator on the go-kart and let it drive out into the street so the bomb can blow up safely. So I've just seen a lot of content about people starting vehicles (laughs) and making them go unmanned. And it's like, it seems like that's just a lot of work when you're in a hurry, especially with a bulldozer that I think has like a dead man switch. Like, I don't know how you make one just go forward without someone in the driver's seat. And so to come up with this on the fly, I think is very impressive. But then also it's just all of that effort for what, to what benefit? It goes at five miles an hour. The only way it would work is on the off chance that Sheriff Wopat gets his foot stuck in a pallet. And you didn't set that up, Wayne Prattler. That was just... And you don't know. Maybe, maybe the movie just didn't show us that. Maybe he maybe, maybe he lured him into this, like, home alone trap area. Fucking, fucking make that the movie. That would rule <laughs> if the whole movie is just like, we've been watching Prattlers get busted for the last two. The third one, like scene one, no mystery. Just, do you want to play a game, Sheriff Wopat? They're just like, it's just him solving traps and being on the run. And it's like shot in real time. I want, I want that. That would be way better. I would absolutely watch Sheriff Wopat try to bring down Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the, the fact that, the fact that Sheriff Wopat seems to be the only, there's only one cop at a time in Maxville County, and it is who is whoever the sheriff is. Maybe two cops <laughs> max. That would explain how Jigsaw's been able to get away with it for like nine movies. A sheriff and a acting sheriff, or a, a deputy, I guess. And and um, he's he's um he's he's an inexperienced sheriff. Don't tell anyone. It's <laughs> such such a such a shame. About the inexperienced sheriff, we'll get to it. Um, oh my god! Okay, but uh, no talking. But yeah, it's it, you know, it's just it's it's a it is a ridiculous start. What is your yes. yeah? Talk, talk about the editing, Landon. Okay, the sequence also introduces a theme in editing that we'll see throughout this movie, which is so just disconcerting and confusing, which is. Close-up of the bulldozer shield coming right at Tom Wopat. Close-up of his boot. Close-up of his face. Holy shit. This is going down. I'm going to die. Kind of a freeze frame-ish. And then it cuts to him giving a speech (laughs) at the diner. And I'm like, wait, what? And then it cuts back to... like It's like one line at the diner. And then it cuts back to him. And the bulldozer is running right at his boot. But then keeps going because he stepped out of his boot, and that's how he got out of that. Where okay, so the editing and and I, we can go into whatever you want to go into next. But there, throughout this film, there will be action happening, and then it'll cut to just like an insert shot of something. <laughs> the art of war comes up <laughs> a couple times. Oh, a chessboard. Oh, uh, just a couple times. Just a couple times. <laughs> And I'm Don't like, want to lay it on too why, thick. Why was there a shot of the art of war in the middle of this scene that's outside? <laughs> why, why is there a flashback to a thing we saw a character do a minute and a half earlier in the same scene in the same location? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just a, it's really amateurish editing in in my personal opinion. Uh, yeah. That, that now, technique. The rest of it's fine, but that that one technique is annoying. It's just, it's fun. Yeah, it's funny to me because we, yeah, he's about to get run over by the bulldozer, extreme close up on his face. Then it's, it is basically the, the equivalent of, uh, what, you know, yep, that's me. How, how do you think I wound up in this situation? It's him telling the story to a bunch of friends. But that cutaway 
you know, then, yeah, th- th- that cutaway basically robs the scene of any tension about how does he solve this problem. It's it's like letting us know ahead of time, don't worry, guys, we're not going to kill Wopat in the first scene. Don't, you know, we're, we're, we're good. <laughs> I wish they would have. He's in the whole movie. I, it would have been exciting to watch Sheriff Hill solve the situation on his own. Acting Which... Sheriff, interim deputy inexperienced Sheriff Hill. <laughs> The and what a great way to hand off the franchise if you have to solve the murder of the previous sheriff. I mean, that's basically what the first movie is about because that that other sheriff disappears after that movie. I think every that instead of electing sheriffs, it should just be you know whoever can solve the mystery of the previous sheriff's death the the (laughs) fastest that gets to be the that gets to be the new sheriff. I I can I'd watch that. I can also see a lot of ways, now that I think about it, that that system would be abused. But on the other hand, the, the current <laughs> system of electing sheriffs is not producing really good law enforcement outcomes. So I say, what the fuck? Let's try a different bad solution. What um, the fuck? So, yeah, so where do we where do we go from here? Do we want to talk uh, characters about who else is, is back for, for more fun and good times and then just kind of spin out yeah. from there? Yeah, let's do that. So we were introduced to uh, the, the county over. Um, York there was county. a new election. The which one? York County is the is the right. uh, adjacent York. county. Yeah. Uh, if you'll remember from the last movie, last episode that we did, uh, a new sheriff was in town. Yep. That's right. Women can do it too, y'all. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the that's the honky tonk tom tom club in in uh, Genius <laughs> of Love. Rootin' so, tootin' Genius of Dang Old Love. I should have these characters pulled up. I don't know why I don't. Joanne uh, Porter so, is her name? Joanne Porter. Sheriff Porter yes. is uh, is over there. She's played by Kelsey Crane. And uh, just as a side note, when you see her credit come up, do you ever think, well, there's Kelsey Crane. I, Where's yeah, Fraser Grammer? I... I... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to talk about this on the podcast because I thought it would make me look stupid. But every time I was kind of like, like I don't even know who I thought it was, but it was just like those are Fraser words. <laughs> Wait, what Fraser person was in this? <laughs> like, it's it's really. I'm not happy about it, but that my brain did think that. And I was like, wait, wait, are we going to get like, are there going to be like black, inter- black on white interstitial titles between scenes? You know, is, is Niles would, carting some some black market uh, caviar through the county? I would prefer that over the editing technique that we get. But I, I, um, and I, w- I would prefer David Hyde Pierce as uh, as Zed Dalton. I like keep everything ooh. else about the movie the same, but it's just David Hyde Pierce playing him. Done. Boom. I, I like it. I like you it. Crush it. Uh, um, so she's back. Yes. Um, we did get a uh, appearance. Uh, Dante Hill, a deputy acting sheriff, he's running for sheriff in the wake yes. of Sheriff Wopat's uh, retirement. Yes, in spite of his inexperience. Yes, he he's back. Uh, we get a zoom in from <laughs> Abby Butler as Ember Rockwell, Alden's daughter. Uh, <laughs> we get she's in it for literally two seconds. Uh, a very, a very discons. I mean, we when we see her at at the beginning when he's giving this speech at his retirement party, and we're cutting between all the faces we know from before. There is just one incredibly jarring shot of like her on clearly a Zoom call, superimposed onto a a smartphone propped up on a table that has just been like rendered in it, it feels so out of place. It is very. They show it only one time, very briefly, just like yeah, Amber is still here. Bye. <laughs> We, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't quite get why that was even necessary. Um, 
just as a side note, while we're mentioning it, uh, Michael Ruff, who plays Wayne Prattler in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't in the last one, but he was in the first County Line. Oh, really? Was he also playing Wayne? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. I'm glad they maintained the continuity. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, what I, and then... Yeah, go ahead. What I do love is that in the first movie, they make it, they kind of imply that there is a manageable number of Prattlers, that it's like four people and three of them are in jail. And by this one, it's like there are, there are 300,000 Prattlers that they're like, they were, they were, I don't know, like they were eggs laid by some kind of like Prattler queen in a hive (laughs) and they all hatched at once. Like they, like if a prattler gets you alone, he opens his mouth and another prattler head comes out and it like, you know, plants eggs in you and turns you into a prattler. They're just, they are everywhere. They are. Uh, but most of them have been in the series before. Really? Uh, yeah. So they got all the Drew boys Peters, back. Drew, Drew Waters plays Johnny Prattler. He was in the last one, not the, not the first one, but the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Thor. Uh, Good name. He... He's he's the one I I had a real hard time getting a bead on like the casting decision on him. He's the only one that hasn't been in uh a previous county line. He's the guy that has the like bandana around his perfectly quaffed hair. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the prattler who is a snitch on the other prattlers, a confidential informant to the police. Yeah. He's like yeah. the one good prattler, yeah, who what are, what are you trying to get? Yeah, so what are you having a hard time getting a beat on there, Landon? Let's talk it out, because I have an idea of what it might be, and I have an idea of why you might be uncomfortable <laughs> saying it. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's just, he's not the person I would cast as a prattler. If you if you ask me to choose from, you know, an audition list, he, he I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he fits in the world. That's just, that's my two cents. I, it, yeah, you know, he just, it, the fact that he has kind of uh like he's got some kind of bandana wrapped around his head and he speaks with a certain cadence that is a little bit like, are you just trying to lift a scene from the wire where they're talking to one of the <laughs> many black people who give the police information about crimes on that show? Or like yeah. it, it, it's, it's just, it's a little bit weird. I don't think there's malice to it, but it, his character felt right. strange to me. He, yeah. Agreed. It's like, it's like what part of Maxville, county is this is this just like is it they're just a part of town where everyone is is like this or what what's this guy doing uh, <laughs> i guess so and i mean it's a shame because i think in the previous county line movies we did have like really good character actors you know the the i'm thinking the first one in particular with all the different gang leaders which what happened to all the other gangs in this county <laughs> Well, well, no, I feel like that was actually addressed in County Line 2, uh, what, No Limits? Wait, this one is No All Fear. In. All In, yes. I'm sorry. None of the subtitles really have that much to do with what happens in the movie, by the way. I'm gonna, yeah. maybe we can put a pin in that. But in the last one, the last <laughs> one, like, they, a bunch of other local crime lords get, like, taken out by that that crazy uh, crime scene technician. So I guess you could argue that in the power vacuum, it's just the Prattlers have, have kind of risen to, to take control. Have they? Is the reason that they, they've survived because they're, they're Prattlers? I mean, I mean and, and by the definition of their word or their name? Well, what, because they, because they, by the definition of their, the dictionary, de- dictionary definition that they tend to talk a lot as is, as is carefully pointed yeah. out in this movie. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. that's why, oh, that they've cut deals with everyone to stay out of jail yeah. or to, yeah. or to get ridiculously lenient sentences 
So many of these people have been convicted of violent crimes within the past couple years and are all back out on the streets, no supervised release. I'm not a, I'm not a real, like, rah-rah law and order person, but I have some... Compl- I think the criminal justice system in these movies is a wee bit too lenient in a couple different ways. <laughs> well, I can't wait to figure out what those are. Um, so, I mean, outside of, like, okay, your favorite, Scooter. Scooter's yep. back. Scoot's back. Or... To go golfing once, yeah, try <laughs> in one Did, scene. I want to know, yeah, and I want to get your thoughts on that because you are a golfer. Is Scooter the sort of dude who hangs out at golf courses? <laughs> I, is that who you golf with? Because oh, if so, I'm going to learn golf. How do I put this gently? Okay, based on who they've introduced us to Scooter as in the previous two movies, mm-hmm. Scooter would be on a golf course, but. Yeah. He would be more on the maintenance side. He would be scooting around <laughs> in a golf cart, just like checking to make sure that everyone's, you know, going through the course on time, that no, there's not a lot of backups and, uh, you know, making sure no one has damaged the sprinkler heads and, so- you know, holding people back so gators can cross the, <laughs> cross the hole, you know, I- that sort of stuff. I really admire that you've gotten through all of this comparison of of Scooter to to personalities on the golf course, and you have not once mentioned Bill Murray and Caddyshack, which was what I imagine immediately figured he would be like if he were ever near a golf course. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I have I lost my <laughs> my uh, white guy podcaster cred if I don't mention Caddyshack at every chance. I mean, I mean, well, that's why you have another white guy. It's it's the failsafe oh, system, it, so it. that none of us, you know, much like much like it's hard to get a bulldozer to start without someone in the driver's seat. It's hard to get through a podcast with two white guys without one of them mentioning Caddyshack if he's got a buddy to jump in. Um, yeah. So yeah, but it's brief. It's brief on Scooter. Who else? Have we got any other major players? Oh, and well, of course, Maddie, I guess. Maddie. Well, yeah, we did. Yeah, the reason we're watching this movie. <laughs> yes, Patricia Richardson back again. Yeah, I mean, we we did this last week with Most Vertical Primate, where we kind of forgot to mention for a long time that Richard Carn was in the movie. That's right. Yeah, uh, Patricia Richardson's back as Maddie, feeling quite like she's in an old episode of Tool Time. Or uh, oh my god, Home Improvement. Dollar in the jar. Like she's in an episode of Home Improvement. Um, it in, in terms of like. The bullshit she has to deal with with a dude not giving a shit about anyone but himself. <laughs> I, I, I agree. We are in agreement. It is, it is really just like, oh man, this is. I'm getting a flash forward to what if Tim was a cop. Uh, it, <laughs> well, it's, it's this. We did get a, a little brief taste of that, and it's not something I want to taste more of. I'll tell you that much. Well, you know what? And this is the thing: why are there? Why have there been no disguises in the in the county line movies? In this movie, where they break into a building in broad daylight, they don't even put on disguises. I mean, guys, come on! <laughs> Give me Tom Wopat in a wig. Well, yeah, I, I, I might already he be getting that. I think he refuses to take the the hat off the cowboy hat off and there's a lot of it's hard to hard to put a disguise on on top of a cowboy hat I'll say that <laughs> unless you're disguising yourself as a different cowboy i guess right yeah I, i'm dr cowboy <laughs> <laughs> 
I, do we want to then call out uh, maybe another character who we meet in this episode who's related? Oh, wait, actually, I guess we didn't really talk about Patricia Richardson. Maybe we shouldn't talk about uh, Sheriff Porter's deadbeat dad just yet. Yeah, not yet, because uh, I do have connective tissue between the two. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I Watching Patricia Richardson in this movie... I could get a sense of just how much of a consummate professional she is. Yes. Because the material she's given is not great. Uh, it's barely there. No. Nope. And I could see her, like, her technique, and I don't mean that in a bad way, of, like, how do I deliver this completely boring, trite line in a way that sells the emotional beats without making it seem, you know, uh too overwrought or too campy like it it's i don't know it really just sold me on like oh yeah she's she's a seasoned pro at doing all of this and and knows what she's doing and I, knows how to play a moment yes yeah the, the, because sheriff wopat is really a shitty boyfriend in this he he straight <laughs> yes, up he is. lies to his girlfriend's face multiple times and promises not to each time and and also, like, acknowledging, you know, he understands the fact that she has prior trauma of her dad was a cop and, you know, died mm -hmm. in the line of duty and all that. And, like, he... So, she, there's not... There are scenes where she castigates him for this and scenes where she walks away, but they are short. They are... There's not a lot there. And she puts a lot of righteous indignation into them that... I mean, maybe I've just been trained to feel this from her on, on Home Improvement because she is doing just classic Jill bits. But yeah. I, I, in those moments, I feel like, yes, yeah, j yes, Maddie, you stand up for yourself, girl. I respect you. It's really, <laughs> which, which undercuts the end or the, un the end of this movie undercuts the rest of this movie. But I, I, let's, let's save a little bit of that for later. Yes. Okay. So then what, so, so what's next? Where, where, where do we go next from here? Well, why don't we, why don't we start getting back into the movie by talking about some of the new people? So okay. I, the new kids on the block. The most important person we can talk about right now is at um, Sheriff Wopat's uh, retirement speech at the diner, which comes right after the bulldozer chase. Um, we, they, he and Sheriff Porter get uh, alerts that the silent alarm has been set off. Yes. And they go to investigate, and um, as they're walking in, they see someone breaking into a safe. I'm sorry, I didn't say where this was. Well, I this I mean it's at a it's at a uh like a check cashing store or something like that. Right, right. Um and so although when they uh, Okay, it's supposed to be a check cashing store. It looks a lot like a darkened hallway in a production office. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Please go on. Not I knew you were going to write a lot of those notes. I also very much felt that in this movie in a number of scenes. Folks, folks, if you don't have time to uh, watch any of the County Line movies, just do do the do the get the experience by flying to Burbank, selecting a kind of random cheap office block and uh, just walking down some corridors and into some unoccupied offices. You'll you'll get the you'll get the experience. <laughs> uh, so they find someone in the process of breaking into a safe um, at that moment. And, oh, it turns out to be Sheriff Porter's dad. What? 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 <laughs> there was a half a second. There was a half a second where I'm like, oh, my God, I hope that's Patricia Richardson. Because he has a ski mask on. Oh, God. that would <laughs> and, and it's introduced with their back to the camera. And <sighs> I would have been like, 
if if that had if we had gone from bulldozer into I'm retiring into Patricia Richardson breaking a safe open, oh. I, I would have been like, I don't care where else this movie takes me. I, I this is <laughs> full of surprises. That is it, that unfortunately is, wasn't. That is a really strong first ten minutes of your movie. Guy almost <laughs> getting hit by bulldozer, trying to retire, finding out his girlfriend who is at his retirement party has then left it to go break into a safe. <laughs> Um, it's this shocking moment because, yeah, it's, it's her dad because she'd also just referenced her father in the previous scene in a moment that I think I should, in a moment that made me think her dad was a completely different dude because she gives Sheriff Wopat a guitar, which turns out, I guess, like it's signed by Johnny Cash. It used to be Johnny Cash's guitar that her father gave to her. Yes. And it's authenticated. (laughs) And she just gives it to him as a retirement gift. Now, which... In and of itself should be a crime, not because it's, you know, father daughter bonding material or that it's a legendary autographed one of a kind guitar, but because it opens up the opportunity for Sheriff Wopat to play and sing later in this movie. Something that I feel like might have been in a contract because he has released a couple albums. (laughs) That's very true. I, I look, this is my thing with the guitar. That Johnny Cash's old guitar, that's worth, I promise you, at least a million dollars, probably more. There's a whole movie to be made about just, holy shit, this is Johnny Cash's guitar. What are we going to do with the money when we sell it? Do we sell it? Like, that, like there, there should be crimes getting committed over ownership of the guitar because that you could buy and sell both York and Maxville counties with the kind of money that a piece of rock memorabilia like that is worth. <laughs> Country well, not, memorabilia. Well, I mean, it's not like it's the guitar that he plays played at Folsom Prison. How do you know? Oh. How do well, you know? Fair point. They don't state that, but I feel like if it was, they would have stated that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it could, well, I mean, the movie's not real, Landon. I mean, any anything, any, it could be anything. <laughs> they could state anything. He played this on the moon. I mean, if, if County Line says it, <laughs> it's true in that world. Did you uh, know Johnny Cash actually wrote and did not get accepted for a Bond theme at one point, and it might have been for Moonraker. We don't know this. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I I don't. I are you are are you for real right now? He could have written yes. a Bond theme. Oh fuck! That would have ruled. Oh, that would have been can, so cool. You can go look it up. I think uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, if a little bit of research, you can find it. I, okay. Well, I I will do that after we continue talking about County Line Three No Fear. <laughs> um, okay. I still so, have guitar questions, but let's keep going. Okay, but so but so I'm expecting though. Okay, your dad has given you seemingly a priceless heirloom. He must be some kind of like hoity-toity uh, antiquities dealer. And then we meet him, and yeah, he's a kind of uh, you know Southern goomba, uh, safe cracker gambler in debt to the uh, chicken fried mob. Yes, he is, and his name's Rick. And he's mm-hmm. played by actor Don Most, who you may remember as Ralph Melth on Happy Days. Okay, okay. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember him as that, but because um, <laughs> I did not watch a huge amount of Happy Days. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm looking up, I'm looking up his Wikipedia you... page now. Uh, Your reaction was pretty misleading. I was, you know, I was trying to decide, is it going to be better for the podcast if I just go along because Landon has a bunch of stuff to say about Happy Days, or is it going to be, or is he expecting me to talk about Happy Days? And it's like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it looks like, (laughs) 
Well, yeah, but it looks it looks like no, he was he lived in Flatbush, New York, and graduated from Erasmus Hall High School in 1970. That's that's pretty funny i think that's that is a cool thing i think he's good in this i think he brings a lot to the uh, i think he brings a lot to the role and he's kind of a it's kind of fun to think of a a like he this kind of huckster feels very new jersey and it's fun to see him out in the uh in the georgia countryside yeah agreed uh, it does bring a different i this is like county line when the city came to the country because mm-hmm. even casper van Dien has a little Oof. bit of that yeah yeah, you you really are are right. This the kind of the the premise of this movie is that it would be horrible if if city folk came out and bespoiled the country, which is I guess gross the more you think about it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things in this that are kind of gross the more you think about it, which is why I don't think much about it. Or or the more you look at them. I'm mainly thinking about uh, uh Tom Wopat's shirt and how far it's unbuttoned. Well, uh, they they did button it up one more button than they did in the last movie well so. we we, we could i'm just saying we could have we could have taken it to the top you know um so i mean he's retired you don't button up all the way to the top when you're retired no he's not retired he's working for most of the movie uh, in a in an acting capacity I mean, I mean, well, yeah, and the acting sheriff buttons his shirt up the whole way, and he's an inexperienced sheriff, so there's that to, there's that to take into account. He, he does it when he's off duty at the retirement party, because he Ugh. had that unbuttoned, at least two buttons, and he had uh, not a puka shell necklace, but he had a necklace of sorts on his body. I I just I guess I guess we need to have like a button count on on this or on these <laughs> movies. And, or, or it's more Are like we a, counting the unbuttons or the button ups? I, I, I that's what we'll have to decide. Or maybe it's just maybe it's not a, a static count, but more of a bar graph, and the bar just goes <laughs> as high as the buttons on Wopat's uh, shirt at any time. Be, <laughs> being a visual element, it wouldn't really work well on the podcast. But also, most of what we do here doesn't work well, and we keep doing it. Um, so. I think what's what's a key point also about Sheriff Por- Sheriff Porter's dad is that he is in he was in debt to uh Casper Van Dien's dad who was like a chill gangster but now that Casper Veen's Casper Veen's dad has been killed by Casper Veen uh, uh now Casper Van Dien is in charge of the mob and is uh we demanding all Johnny of his Rico. debts be be repaid right away. Yes. Everyone pays no one quits. Uh do you want to you know, come on, you apes, you want to live forever, etc. Yeah, and so, um, I don't know how deep you want to go on this. Like, Sheriff Porter decides she's going to arrest him, and, like, she, uh, not arrest it, she puts her dad in jail. Yes. Pretty cold-blooded, uh, yeah. as Sheriff Wopat says, but she has a plan. She's doing, doing the law, as is her job, uh, but she's going to Atlanta to go try to reason with this family now yes <laughs> getting a little ahead of myself here yes um but but maybe it's worth just going there yeah this is the plan as i just kind of laid out yes dad's in jail he is protected i'm gonna go and try to undo the situation he's in yeah i'm a law enforcement but i'm not gonna be in an acting capacity while i'm down there I'm just gonna go speak and she decides well, Papa, Papa Gangster's dead, um, and I don't, I don't know how or where to get in touch of uh, Johnny Rico. So I'm gonna go talk to the the matriarch, the mom. Yes, 
I'm going to go talk to the bad guy's mom. And this powerful white lady energy. Flagged this as such an interesting approach (laughs) to any kind of gambling debt. Like, how different would Casino be if... If uh, I don't know, uh, what well, like Joe any, Bob Briggs yeah. decided to go to Joe Pesci's mom instead of <laughs> Joe Pesci. I I mean, you know, if Joe Pesci's mom in Casino, his hypothetical mom in Casino, was anything like his awesome mom in Goodfellas, I would I would watch that. I would like that. So maybe it would make <laughs> Casino an even more uh, celebrated film. I. Yeah, this this ties in. This is kind of part of my grander argument about the law enforcement in this movie just not really being on its game enough. Because Sheriff Wolpat's whole deal, like his whole persona, is wrapped up in this notion of the law is the law and justice and and the do do you know making things right, cleaning up the streets, but routinely he and the other supposed good cops around him choose not to administer the law equally to, like, their friends or their family or advocate for that. Like, when she is arresting her dad and saying, like, I'm going to press charges, he thought he could get away with it because I'm his daughter, but no way. Sheriff Wopat is going like, that's pretty harsh, putting your dad behind bars. I don't know about that. And that, <laughs> and then her also, like, as the sheriff of this county, like, put your dad behind bars. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you should. Like, you got elected for a reason. If your dad commits a crime in the county, it's still your job, whatever. But also... Why why not just call some cops in Atlanta or something? Like why not just <laughs> right. like why why try and like strike a backroom bargain with gangsters when you're a, like that's a no, that's bad policing. <laughs> like just I, I mean, I got to be honest, there's a lot of like logic to anything in this movie really. Motivations to the law to how anyone conducts their business that I I just like I gave up trying to fully understand it at a certain point. I I mean I know that in the previous like the with the first movie I was kind of off it until I started envisioning it as a western that just happens to be set in the 21st century yeah. and that made it easier to swallow. But this one it's just like I think even under the I don't know even under that framework it just falls apart. The notion of you know these there there is one or maybe maximum of two cops and there are and there are the there's apparently no federal law enforcement and also ev- getting arrested in these movies is like getting arrested in Grand Theft Auto they just let you out <laughs> the, the screen fades to black the clock advances 6 hours you lose all your guns and a bunch of your money and you're standing on the street again yeah well okay this is Trying to reinforce your point, and it's a little bit of a tangent, but they, I, I think that they do try that to cram that angle in here. It just comes off the, the Western angle, mm-hmm. and I think it comes off a little hackneyed uh, because a good portion of this movie is following Dante Hill in his pursuit for the new sheriff, mm-hmm. the, the new sheriffdom yeah. of, of Maxville County. Despite his um, inexperience. This... <laughs> Which we haven't gotten to yet. He has a whole movie's experience. I don't know what he's talking about, but he's, he's just an inexperienced sheriff, you know. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know. I, that's my it's, point. I don't. It's I nothing don't know. to be. It's nothing to be ashamed of, Landon. I'm sure it happens to lots of counties. <laughs> At one point, uh, and this goes back to that like city versus country sort of vibe. Is there's a character who comes in? I and I could not bead what 
the fuck his point was. Because he crops back up kind of toward the end, kind of aligned with Johnny Rico, where <laughs> he, I think, was a former deputy, but now mm, he's yeah. in real estate. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's gone city, therefore he's gone bad. I That that was kind of one of the most, um, I don't know, that was some, one of the most like re- relevant characters to me, honestly, was the... A uh, cop who becomes a real estate agent, going from one really problematic career path pursued by a certain political slant of people, right into another problematic career path pursued by a certain <laughs> political slant of people. I'm like, yeah, that. I feel like I feel like eight different people I went to high school with were cops and are now real estate agents. Like, it's. <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's commentary. I feel like that is just a very accurate reflection of a certain pipeline that exists. <laughs> well, okay. I mean. <laughs> Despite the authenticity of that, uh, there, th- I think his function in this movie on some level, even if it's subtext, is once you leave the county and you go city, you get corrupted. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, on some level, I think, supposed to, like, be some sort of justification for the, like the vigilante down-home justice. You know, mm. we're going <laughs> to... Me, just a poor old country boy, we're going to come to Atlanta and show you how we really do justice. You know, that sort of shit. Sure. Uh, I don't know. So, like I said, it was a bit of a tangent to kind of reinforce force your point that I think they're trying for that angle, but it just it doesn't quite work. It's a little convoluted, and it's really hard to track. And it also it also reinforces my central point because at one point late in the movie when you know so this this real estate cop who had worked for Sheriff Wopat and then and then left the force Sheriff Wopat explains later down the line yeah he was corrupt so I basically said I basically fired him and made him promise to leave the county or else I'd expose him and so then like later in the movie he comes back to the county working for Johnny Rico he's going to uh be you know, he's going to run for sheriff and and displace Sheriff Hill who's inexperienced and then he'll like I don't know be his his hand-picked cop but the whole point is this wouldn't have been happening if when Sheriff Wopat found out that one of his officers was corrupt he just arrested him and prosecuted him through the criminal justice system instead of making a gentleman's handshake agreement that then blows up in his face at an inopportune time like just arrest people when they commit crimes which is normally not the thing I'm saying because I think that most of the time when cops do that it's bad but in this movie they don't arrest bad guys (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I, I think we need to be lenient on jaywalking and public urination and littering, and we need to be more harsh on police corruption <laughs> or people trying to or, or like criminals like trying to murder people who have gambling debts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I okay. I, I'm I'm a little lost in the sauce here. Uh, <laughs> where do we, what do we talk yeah, about? You're you're lost in the herbal bourbon. Um. We got to talk about Sheriff Dante Hill. Now is the time. Interim Sheriff Dante Hill. I'm in it. Let's do Who's, it. So, folks, look, we've alluded to this before. Let's just say it out loud. He's an inexperienced sheriff. And it's... <laughs> and everybody everybody knows it. And I think we should just say it out loud and just... And kind of, like, neutralize the issue. Yes. He's inexperienced. But it's okay. And it's not something we should be ashamed of. Landon, how how experienced? Like you're in Dane County, right? How experienced is the sheriff out there? 
<laughs> well, I, I mean, it's a bit of a contentious issue, if I'm being perfectly honest. Okay, so it sounds Depends like Depends on who you ask. Well, okay, but no, no, this is just a simple question of experience, Landon. Is he experienced? How much experience does he have? I, uh, What's his XP? Come on. I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable answering this question. Uh, the, okay, uh, the, it's just people in people in Maxville County seem very concerned about this and spend a lot of time discussing this question because basically, Sheriff Hill is he's taking over the job. He's running unopposed. He's going to uh, take office as new sheriff um, after the election, about a month after Wopat's retirement. So he's kind of the interim acting sheriff until the election, and. Well, for one thing, it kind of makes me question, why are you, then why not just work for an extra month, Sheriff Wopat, and then retire after the election, and he'll just slide right in, whatever. (laughs) But also, so he's going to be running unopposed, he has Sheriff Wopat's full confidence and endorsement, but something he brings up a lot is just, do do you think there's going to be, do you think the local criminals are going to give me a hard time, because they know I'm an inexperienced sheriff? Like, he's, he, he keeps talking in these kind of hushed, almost shameful tones about the fact that he's an inexperienced sheriff or like, I don't know if the voter's going to back me because I'm an inexperienced sheriff. And and it's like <laughs> in the pre- so he he's one for one thing, he's been like he was in the last movie and he was very capable and effective there. The voters will know him. B, he also ex- says in the last movie, I think he has a criminal justice degree or master's or something like that. Yeah. Like he's he seems pretty experienced. Well, okay, so I'm glad you brought this up, and I'm glad he brought this up. Um, This feels like one of those components that I was talking about earlier of the movie having machinations to (laughs) kind of justify Tom Wopat's existence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, his inexperience is that he's younger than Tom Wopat. Like, it's it's a sort of boomer mentality of... Mm -hmm. Anyone younger than me can't do the job. Yes. Yes. And I think that's kind of how it was written and why Sheriff Wopat feels like he needs to continue to do what he needs to do. And and what's kind of weirder also is that it's not just I mean it's not even making the argument that that uh Sher- like that Sheriff Hill interim acting inexperienced Sheriff Hill is bad at his job. He's not. He's portrayed as competent and good and honest and all these things, but it's just that, like, criminals criminals can, like, smell fear, basically, or, like, they can just, like, they, they can tell in the air. It's just about vibes. <laughs> I think you I think you just circled around to the meaning of the title. <laughs> oh, shit. In so, order to be a sheriff in Maxville County, you need to have no fear. Oh, and he's inexperienced. That's where his inexperience lays, is in that he has some fear still. Wow. Holy shit. My assessment of this movie just turned right the fuck around. That's a really deep title. Now now I've got to go watch County Line All In again. There's probably a secret meaning to All In that I didn't even pick up. Oh, man, this is this is tough. Um, This movie very much has that on both sides of the law. You know, in, in Wopat's case, it's like, yeah, this, this new young person just can't keep up and the criminals the criminals know he's not as tough as me even though he's faster and capable of of running and and younger and his heart isn't about to explode uh yeah i think i think sheriff alden sheriff wopat could 
could use a little fear, to be honest. I mean, like, if, if not fear of criminals, at least fear of his own health. Like, yes. Maybe if I run over a certain amount of clicks, maybe my heart's not going <laughs> to respond well to that. But the but the same the same attitude of like ah this new generation I don't know it's also present on the criminal side where the movie is kind of saying like yeah well Sergeant Sergeant Rico's dad was a you know he's a pretty cool he's a pretty cool dude he was pretty lenient but then then he takes over and now he's a psychopath what's going on with that <laughs> so yeah I I, I <laughs> it's generational man. I guess, yeah. I mean, again, it is it is chicken fried succession. It's just uh, it's just about you know <laughs> handing power over to a different generation and and the struggle that ensues. Um, Brian Cox would also make such a great sheriff. Wopat, I would. I mean, it would never make sense uh, for that to happen. But boy, he would have I mean, fun. Have you seen Super Troopers? I have seen Super Troopers, and I keep I keep having my mind blown every day when I remember that's that's. Brian Cox in Super Troopers. I cannot. I cannot believe that's him saying I'm going to pistol whip the next guy who says shenanigans. Um, so give me that with a southern accent. Uh, so okay. So I don't know. I just find it. I find it very funny. Just to wrap up the Sheriff Dante Hill stuff. Very competent well, guy. Very good at his job. But just criminals are just like ah, he's inexperienced. Therefore, we will be rowdier. It's given us special powers now that we know that he has not been a sheriff for forty years. Let's let's follow this through for a second, because uh, we, we've talked just, I don't know, in theory about Dante Hill. Let's actually go into some of the scenes. So, okay. like, he goes to uh, the diner to question the Prattler brothers at yeah. one point. Three of three, only three, <laughs> only three of the yes. Prattlers are yes, but po- uh, at 0.1% of the county's Prattler population, uh, three men. <laughs> because one of them has just been released from prison uh for uh, i guess uh prattling on somebody yeah and w- why does uh why does why is dante approach their table here i mean he he approaches their table because well he he has asked sheriff wopat for advice about how to make sure the criminals know he's legit even though he's an inexperienced sheriff and wopat has told him he just got to make a show of force so he goes in and basically you know tries well he first criticizes them for drinking too early in the day and it's like i'm sorry i thought maxville county was a dry county i don't even know why they're serving beer uh but then yeah (laughs) that's a damn good point maybe they've maybe they've changed their ways since the first first county line wow this this franchise has really come so far like you feel those changes in your bones uh then he tries to bust an uh an underage prattler for underage drinking because he's not 21 i guess that makes sense that's what underage drinking is i guess i didn't have to explain it to you nor did i have to keep talking about it but uh yeah so he tries to bust him and uh and then stares down the other prattlers when they try to make a fuss about it just to just to show him who's boss yeah uh and but what follows that scene is sets up a a theme of what dante hill's policing is going to be like and i i have questions about it you know i'm not i'm certainly not on the prattler side although you know you were starting to make a case about the economic decline of the city and and what might have happened and that this might just be a unfair portrayal of their of their clan um yeah yeah it's intergenerational poverty man get with it yeah <laughs> uh but after this conversation in the diner dante goes across the street and just is doing nothing but leaning against a wall, kind of twirling a pair of handcuffs on his finger while one of the Prattler brothers, the the one that got out of prison, crosses the street while looking on his phone. And then he, like, arrests him. Arrests him. Yeah. (laughs) For jaywalking. Yes. 
And like, I guess this is just in his like him showing that, oh yeah, we're, you know, I'm, I'm a tough sheriff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you any way I can. So it's just interesting to note that, that uh, Sheriff Hill is black and Johnny Prattler is white. And it would be like, so it's, I guess on the one hand, kind of cool to see uh, the quality of life infractions being unfairly enforced against someone. But also it's like, it, you also don't need to be a dick. Like you don't need to. <laughs> right. And he says to him as he's cuffing him, like, I didn't like your attitude back there in the, in the diner. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry, that exact line a, I feel like I've seen that, I've heard that come out of a cop's mouth in body camera footage that's gone viral. And B, that's bad guy shit to say. <laughs> like it's hard. Yeah, I'm. I yeah. I it, maybe if you were a more experienced sheriff, you'd know that this is not a good way to go forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, it's something that he does again later in the the film with the same Prattler brother, where he and and uh, Sheriff Porter are just like. After they, they, they've started their little romantic tryst, yeah. they're sitting in this is, a, I'm sorry. No, it's not a tryst. The word tryst implies something kind of steamy happens at some point. <laughs> and this is people looking at each other with True. with a with a safe amount of desk between them. They share fast food in a cop station together on their first date. No, no. They don't share fast you food. You can't they, get you can't get much steamier than that. Their 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 food is is in separate beds. It is there. She has one takeout container with a clamshell lid. He has one takeout container with a clamshell lid, and the lids are folded back, so they're like between them anyway. There's like at least that much space between them. It's not like they're Lady in the Tramping on a on a hot dog or something. <laughs> Two episodes in a row, I'm talking about Lady in the Tramp. What's with me? I. Don't know. Why, um, why, why am I thinking so much about people eating the same piece of food and then kissing? What What is this bringing up in me? Uh, but they're they're flirting in a car together while they're waiting for a Prattler brother. It and it at first you don't know exactly what they're doing, but then it turns out that they're sitting there waiting for this same Prattler to go break into a car. How do they know which car he's going to break into? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but he does. He starts to break into a car. And because of this behavior, they he predicted that he would be doing this. How did he know it would be going on at this exact moment? I don't know. But it becomes a kind of diversion tactic for Johnny Rico later in the movie to keep yes. these two occupied while something else was going on. And there's just I, I have questions about his inexperienced techniques. Yeah, I guess I've I, you know I've said that he's portrayed as intelligent and and competent, but at the same time, yeah, there's like the the police station gets broken into not once but twice in this movie, which is, I mean, <laughs> that's embarrassing if it happens one time. It's it is downright humiliating if it if it happens twice in like the same week. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, we should also point out, so things start going south in Maxville County. This is because Johnny Rico, Casper Van Dien, uh, has, decides to come out to Maxville County. Um, basically, in in the process of trying to get her dad, um, you know, her dad out of his debt to, to Johnny Rico, uh, Sheriff Porter goes there. She's made the case to his mom. Then she makes the case to him directly. He tries to hold her hostage, but... But Sheriff Wopat is there, he breaks in, he rescues her, he has come down to Atlanta against Patricia Richardson's wishes to help. This whole thing winds up with them getting him, like, brought up on some federal charges, but then he and his whole family bail themselves out and then move to Maxville County and decide to just wreck Sheriff Wopat's life as a result. <laughs> and Which would yeah. have been 
uh, if they really leaned into that, like, could have been great. Like, I, that would have been an interesting kind of Jigsaw-esque uh, thriller. Yes. Yeah, because he because it seems like Casper Van Dien, Johnny Rico, moves into the neighborhood. He's, like, next door, basically, I, to Sheriff Wolpat. Like, at least, yeah. Yeah. I, this basically brings me back, again, to my point of, like, wh- what is going on with the criminal justice system here? Because they have... Sheriff Wolpat and uh, and Sheriff Porter's dad, the master thief, uh, they break into the baseball stadium, they get some incriminating files, they give these to the government, and then they just basically, the same day, seemingly the same hour, the three federal agents in this movie <laughs> walk out of the office and then walk back with Casper Van Dien and the rest of his, his gang Justice in cuffs. Fast. Well, Justice works fast, but then, again, Grand Theft Auto rules, it's just like, oh, we're out on bail. And we're under yeah. federal investigation, but we're just going to go move to a new county and commit a bunch of crimes. And, and no one is worth mentioning, us. too, just because it becomes kind of important, is that uh, Jane Porter's dad, um, be, or Joanne Porter, Sheriff Porter's dad, goes into witness protection at that point. Yes, yes. That's... <laughs> I guess the I guess the three federal agents that exist in the world have their hands full babysitting this guy so they can't do any surveillance on the violent criminal who is who is being brought up on charges. But I don't okay, so you you say what's going on with the law enforcement in this world. I yes. want to know what's going on with the organized crime in this world that like this old ass sheriff from a county that they're not even doing jur- they don't have any you know <laughs> crossover jurisdiction but why like, the fuck would they care <laughs> i mean i guess that i can see him being upset because sheriff wopat has come in and blown the lid off their organization and got them arrested but i guess my question to the organized crime group run by casper van dien is like why is your shit not more secure because <laughs> They, it's the worst. It's I, oh my god. I had a note on there of like the organized crime security is very lax in Georgia. I, like they just have at one point they're breaking in and uh, Sheriff Wopat, uh, G, uh, Sheriff Porter's dad, and who we didn't talk about yet. Is it? Is it? Sheriff Wopat's son? No, Who no, no. Who the fuck is this guy? The, okay, this guy. Okay, Let, let's yeah, let's let's slow jam the entire Watergate break-in section of this movie <laughs> okay, all right. because okay, basically, all right, great. After having been threatened by, uh, after having been after after Sheriff Wopat rescues Sheriff Porter from Van Dien and his thugs. Uh, you know, basically it comes out, okay, well, Sheriff Porter's dad knows where there's incriminating evidence that'll bring down uh, Van Dien's whole crime family that is locked in a safe in his dad's office at the baseball stadium. Uh, but it's like, and we gotta, there's also information on the computer, so we have to hack the computer. How are we going to do this? Okay, well, Master Thief, uh, Sheriff Porter's dad is going to get them in. And then, okay, I'm sorry, I, I told this in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> this this whole movie feels like it's told in the wrong. Yes. Sherman, you're the editor of the show. I just expect you to do one of those editing techniques where you just put a, a flash forward to the, the next scene that we're going to talk I'm, about I, right okay, here. Okay, you know what? No, let's go to... Okay, shot of a chessboard, a pawn gets put out, but then it gets taken back to represent me having a do-over. This is all <laughs> taking place in Atlanta, 
And Sheriff Wopat has gone down there because he really wants to get involved with what Sheriff Porter is doing, messing with organized crime. But he tells Maddie, yo, I'm going down there to visit Nat Prattler at college. Nat Prattler is the kid in the first movie who he catches doing graffiti and puts to work in Maddie's bar washing dishes. He's straightened up now. He went to college in Atlanta. He just he just is graduating soon. And so Sheriff Porter lies to his girlfriend, says, I'm going to go help him get moved out of his, his, you know, college pad, and then goes down there so he can stay with him but actually go do crime stuff. Um, <laughs> so after all of this, after all of this brouhaha with, you know, oh, we've got a, you know... We, Getting getting Sheriff Porter out of the tough situation where Van uh, Van Dean's guys are gonna beat her up or whatever. They go back to this college pad. They hatch this plan. We're gonna break in. We're gonna get all the files. We need to hack into his computer. Turns out Nat Prattler majored in computer science, so he's gonna come with them and hack. Did, okay, did that, did I, I missed I missed that part. That makes more sense. Yeah, it's it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to me. Like it seems arbitrarily added on because yeah. uh, the, the the computer aspect because it's mainly like well, well the all the files are printed out but then there's additional like it it the evidence is only incriminating if we also have the the thumb drive with the computer stuff but what, what's... <laughs> and also as an organized crime organization I guess uh, why would you have your information on a computer and print it out and put it in a safe. Yeah, in the same like, it, I get that you have to keep records even if you're doing bad stuff. But it's like, why would you keep them? Also, why would you keep that information at the the office of your front business? You should put that somewhere else that people it's, don't know where. I, I don't know this. That really, to me, felt like Insp Films or the Insp Channel uh, yeah. going. Look, the demographic for this movie is like 65 and older people don't really understand what a thumb drive is just can you put a manila folder in there and say the bad stuff's in that (laughs) well it is a very thick manila folder so you know how evil these people are (laughs) and how meticulous they are about writing it down but okay so all of this aside we're discussing just the very simple logic of why would you keep all this stuff here they they decide okay we've got to break in we got to get this information and i'm thinking okay great this is the movie it's going to be them planning this daring late night heist they have to get this information and clear her dad's name no no next scene Broad daylight, the three of them just walk right up to the empty baseball stadium, walk right in the door, which is, seems to be unlocked, walk down a dark hallway. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. They stand They stand there and pick a lock, and we get a couple of shots of a security guard walking around. And th- I have played uh, video games in the 90s where the artificial intelligence of the guards was craftier and more alert than this human man. <laughs> Who does not hear them breaking in or does not hear Sheriff Porter's dad, Rick, fucking up the code on the safe a million times. Just, and I, I do love, he goes, damn these fat fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and they, it, it's just, and then they, they get the stuff that they need and, and they, they leave, they get out, they get out clean. It's like, I, I, I regret already referring to this as the Watergate break-in because I feel like I have so many other good jokes about how, like, these people make G. Gordon Liddy look, uh, you know, competent and and things of that nature. I mean, they they don't get arrested. They don't get arrested. They They do this in the middle of the day. And for every single step of this process is 
uh, goes 100% correctly. It, well, I mean, yeah, every step goes correctly. And also, there's no security cameras? There's nothing? What kind of... I know. I, like, that was my very first thing. They, The three of them are walking up, and they play this as a joke. The, the Prattler brother, the young Prattler brother, is the only one... You know, it's it's the two old men and him, and he's the only one that has like a ski mask on, and he's acting all nervous. And Tom Wopat's just like, take the take the mask off. <laughs> and I'm like, but but wait, what? Why? <laughs> You're, there are surveillance everywhere. People are gonna know who the fuck you are. Also, also, bear in mind, look at at Nat's relationship with Sheriff Wopat. The whole reason they met was Sheriff Wopat being like, you gotta stop committing crimes and go straight and figure out your life. So he goes off to college and everything, and then Sheriff Wopat just shows up unannounced and is like, I need you to commit crimes, break into a place. <laughs> The person who owns this is an extremely psychopathic, violent criminal who literally shot his dad in the face because he wanted to. But yeah, no, let's break in. Like it, he's he is gonna he is so close to ruining this kid's life when this kid is just about to like he's graduated, he's got his computer science degree, he could go make an honest buck, and then he's gonna have a <laughs> you know breaking and entering conviction on his record. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I have I have a note for the the informants part of this break in scene. But do you have more about the the completely untension filled uh, just sequence of events that we covered? I I you know I think all I would say is just this is part of another trope in this movie where everything just is real easy. Like for example, earlier when Sheriff Wopat rescues Sheriff Porter from. Van Dean's thugs, Johnny Rico's thugs. It's it is really just he kind of walks in a in a door and pushes a guy aside and takes her by the arm and they just let them go. Just it's a, yeah, very very breezy kind of cops and criminals situation. It's like a Friday afternoon and everyone's just letting it slide. Uh, go on though. Well, okay. So my big note was when they hand this stuff over and the people handing it over is Sheriff Wopat and Sheriff Porter. Uh, who Porter wasn't involved in the break-in, just her father. Yeah. Uh, they hand it over to the FBI, and the FBI's like, well, where'd you get this? And <laughs> they're like, uh, an informed source. And then immediately she goes, well, my father, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, she just doxed <laughs> a informant. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you better hope that they're, that all of these uh, all these FBI guys are on the up and up. Yeah, right. And, well, and so, yeah, so they, but... She she gives them that, and then they just they're like, well, okay, we'll we'll all right, we'll be right back, and they just all walk out, <laughs> and, and then and then in the very next we get a cutaway to Patricia Richardson learning that uh, that Sheriff Wopat is actually in Atlanta with uh, with Sheriff Porter doing crime stuff, and then we're just yeah. right back at the quote unquote FBI building, and the same three guys are just walking right back in with all of the dudes in handcuffs, Van Dien at all. Oh man, um, justice. I, that's all I led. Ah. It's it's like just right <laughs> off camera. There was a grand jury watching the entire like <laughs> business of handing over the evidence, and then there was also a judge right there who already had like he was just filling in names on the warrant as it was all happening. Yes, um, uh, that's a scary sci-fi premise that yeah. I don't really want to explore too far. It's it's basically Minority Report, I think, or it's getting closer to it at least. <laughs> uh, let's return to Patricia Richardson for a second, because in the midst of all of this, um, we get to we we touch base on it, so we don't have to go too deep, but we we get a a, a few back and forths of 
Well, actually, let's go back one further, which is him doing the retiring montage, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he tries to sit in a hammock. You Does know, not work. Comedy ensues. Yep. Uh, that's the most. Tries to... That's his most active moment in this action movie. By the way, <laughs> there's more physicality in that than any of the chases or fights. <laughs> there are a few moments. It happens during this montage where he's at a store and um, someone tries to shoplift. The kid tries to shoplift, and he, you know, he catches him for a second. He's like, hey, what are you doing with that thing? And the kid just runs. And it yeah. occurred to me, like. You can get away with any crime in this county just by running away. He's he's not gonna catch you. In in a in a world that makes sense by our standards, yes. If the if the old man who is the only cop in the county uh, tells you to stop, just don't stop, and you're covered. But in this, he always does catch you, but just by teleportation. That's what I'm saying. He's he's got the Michael Myers thing going. Yeah, like um, the, the kid the kid runs and then he's and we cut to him running down an alley and then and then he just gets tripped by Wopat who has somehow gotten around in front of him <laughs> as if by magic. It's because he knows these streets, Truman. I but there's four streets in the town. I feel like everybody knows the streets, <laughs> and they're all lined with either abandoned or just empty warehouses. Oh uh, my! Uh, okay, the economic but, devastation. So, um, he, yeah, but so he, he, so he is trying to get in a hammock. He's going to the store. What else? Is his he's retirement? bored. The re- retirement ain't for him apparently, and so this is when he devises the like, I'm gonna go to Atlanta to see a prattler. Yeah, that's the ticket. I, I, Maddie, I, do you buy this? What I'm saying to you in front of your face. Before before we get into the darkness of him of him lying to Patricia Richardson's face and breaking her heart, I want to just briefly shine a light on one other bit of his retirement I liked, which is him standing by the refrigerator going, looking at his watch, going, three, two, one, well, it's noon, and then opening the fridge and pulling out a beer. And I I have I have felt like that a lot, especially now that I'm an unemployed person whose days have no structure. But I felt like that with just like three two one it's noon now i can eat some lunch like it's just i i'm just so excited to eat again in the day okay but so he lies to patricia richardson about why he's going to atlanta and so let me bring this up to you as the kind of subtext to this movie is he Mm -hmm. going to atlanta because he cares that much about justice or like what is this film trying to say about his character it does he stand for the law or does he stand for, I can't be with myself alone? I mean, I think that the movie, I think what the movie wants us to think is more than anything, he stands for his friends. He knows that Sheriff Porter is going to get into trouble down there because he'd said earlier, you should let me go down with you. This guy's dangerous. She said, no, this is my own business. I don't want to get you into it. And he specifically said, it's not because you're a woman. It's because he's dangerous. Yeah, which is which is great. Little fun little flashback to to the last movie. That and that has been neutralized <laughs> and we don't have to don't don't have to worry about it. Um but he I so I think that what the movie is saying is like he'll he'll, you know, he goes the extra mile for the people he cares about. I I mean, well what do you think? Do you think that it's a matter of justice or do you think it's just a matter of he cannot like he he is too frightened of confronting yeah. uh, what's inside his head? Are you ready for a patented Landon Solano existential layerism? Get ready for a downer. <laughs> we should start every episode with that. That should be our theme song. I think Insp Films says 
at the core of everything we do are family values. And family can be what you make it. It can be a collection of friends and loved ones, the people we choose. And therefore, that needs to be central to the character and the themes of this movie. Mm -hmm. I think that behind that, and when you combine it with the the character and the writing of this, it's, uh, I'm going to pretend that it's family values, but really it's, I've never done any self-actualization, and so I can't not do the things that I've been doing my whole life, even if it means handing it over to the next generation Mm -hmm. and seeing things progress without me. Uh, Therefore, I need to inject myself at every given second and justify it through the lens of family values. (laughs) And and even if even if that means uh, even if that means lying to the woman I love and and hurting yeah. her, which I know it will, um, yeah, to, because that's that's at the end of the day, it's like he's gonna get off. Well, I mean, hey-o. hold on, hey, <laughs> hooting and hollering, yippee ki yay. <laughs> he's he's not gonna get in trouble ultimately with Maddie because of the reasons why he does the things he does, but. That's the bullshit writing contrivances. The reality is that wouldn't happen in real life. They wouldn't get married, unfortunately, happens at the end of this movie. Mm. Uh, like, it's just, it, that's the the male fantasy part of this. Like, I'm going to justify doing anything I want to just because how can you argue with I'm doing it for my friends? I'm doing it for a good reason. What better reason is there than family? <laughs> I uh, to to uh, borrow a phrase from one of your uh, co-hosts on that episode of Pretty Much Pop you were on. That's fucking dark. Um <laughs> but but I mean no, you're you're right. I mean, yeah, the the real life like Maddie, the fact that Maddie is super angry and confronts him about it and tries to get away from the relationship with him over his repeated uh lies about quitting being a cop is is I think a more uh <laughs> I don't know. He he's he goes through more uh penalties for this than I think the average dude doing this would, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember Charles Bronson having to go through any of this in Death Wish, though I will say County Line 4 could benefit from a bazooka at one point. I just I just don't think there's going to be a County Line 4 land and I'm sorry to say it. I mean, <laughs> I also didn't think they could possibly make another Toy Story movie, and they did, but I really just... And there's another one coming down the pipeline. Oh, God, great, guys. That's so cool. Tim Allen's back. Oh, great. Cool. I can't wait to I can't wait to join all 7,000 characters who are now in the in that franchise to watch each one of them say one line apiece. So many celebrity <laughs> voices. We're having a blast, aren't we? Um I th- I mean I think that in some ways this still is an improvement over a home improvement episode because she really like the the whole the whole movie makes clear that it it's shitty what he's doing to lie to her about this and she does try to break up with him and he ultimately I mean at the end when he proposes to her he does include in there a pretty heartfelt apology which is again not like it doesn't make it okay that he did any of it but at least this is better than a home improvement episode where it's like i wrote you a stupid poem and now we're gonna go have sex like <laughs> yeah great on a curve. I, I disagree i kind of disagree I, I mean not with the home improvement stuff it is like different than that but uh to me, it feels completely ham-fisted, like they need a happy ending. Like, in, in no other world would she... Uh, 
have to go through the process. Like there is a moment when she says, I don't want to be with you. You know, I can't, I can't do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And she walks away from him where I saw Maddie walk away and like for a split second, went down the mental journey with her to go, well, what does that mean for the rest of my life? I'm in my twilight years and I'm choosing to have to be alone rather than be with this guy. Like there's a, there's an inner turmoil going on there that is a lot more heavy than just, well, you did it for the right reason. So I guess, yes, I'll marry you, even though you are bringing up my past trauma with my father and all kinds of other potentialities. And I don't at all believe that you won't do this again in the future. I mean, because she's basically said to him in one of their, like, when she's breaking up with him earlier in the movie, like, she, she says, listen, I'm sorry that I made you retire. I'm sorry that I tried to change who you were. This is who you are. This is the kind of person that you are. I understand that and I respect that, but I can't be with you. Like, she's, A, she's making a pretty emotionally healthy argument. It's yeah. not it's not like, fuck you, you piece of shit. It's like, no, you know what? This is you and I understand that and I'm just, I've got to get away. And yep. so it's like, well, nothing seems to have changed by like he, he even I mean, Ember tells him this on her second appearance in the movie via Skype that, you know, you've got to basically do this, do this one last vigilante justice on on Casper Van Dien and then you're through. That's then then you have to fully stop. And after he punches out Casper Van Dien at the end, spoiler alert, Sheriff Wopat wins. Uh, <laughs> he he says, now I'm retired. But I yeah, I don't really if I'm Patricia Richardson, I'm like, I don't buy that. You're the most ornery and stubborn guy who exists. You're not going to like the the second somebody litters in a way that you don't like and so, uh, the second someone who is not one of your personal friends or acquaintances commits a crime, you're going to want to go bust them for that. I know, which, OK, I'm telling you, there could be a four. And the way that he gets out of that is and I hate to say it. I, I this is gonna break my heart to even mention it. He's gonna have a robot is... body. <laughs> well, now we're talking. Yeah, that that doesn't break my heart. I love that. <laughs> the way he gets back into it, if he makes the promise to Patricia Richardson at the end of this, the only way he's gonna get out of it is if it's personal. And oh. the only way it's gonna be personal enough is if she gets killed. I mean <sighs> Okay, that's that's rough, and I'm about to say they would never do that, but then I'm like, I could also see Patricia Richardson just not signing a contract for another one of these, and they'll have to do that. Um, the only the only reason that I don't think there will be another one of these is I am not sure I see Tom Wopat signing another contract, but um, I mean, this movie gets close. Is signing another contract or being offered another contract? I mean, okay. I well, he wouldn't sign the contract because the contract wouldn't be offered unless unless I'm missing something about the viewership numbers of these movies, which, to my knowledge, are completely opaque. We have no idea if yeah. anyone besides the two of us have watched them. Um, well, I do. Do you want me to? I was going to save this for the end. This is rocking an eight point two on IMDb. Okay, but that that's just th those are user ratings. We don't know the total number of people who've streamed it. Like well, that, fair, those are the fair. ratings I'm talking about. Like, th th how many? I do have a user review though. Oh, it has a user review by Landon Solano uh, <laughs> sixty nine at hotmail dot com. Uh, no, it's Rocketmail. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but so this movie though, speaking of Patricia Richardson dying, which I never like to do, this movie takes us close. 
It takes us up to the end, uh, or to, to the edge of it, to the point that I thought for a second, like, wait, are they going to fucking do it? Did she, did they, did they not get her to sign a contract for a fourth one? Because Casper uh, <laughs> Van Dien uh, firebombs her, her cafe at one point while she's there yeah. locking up much of it in ADR. And she, uh, it's, she's it's the, the, the biggest in the kind of microaggressions that uh, Johnny Rico has done since he's moved in next door to Tumbo Pet. I would say that setting fire to a building with a woman inside is a little more than a microaggression. I think at that (laughs) point we were moving into our (laughs) macroaggressions. Well, I'm saying he's been doing microaggressions until this point in which it's a pretty... It's a pretty macro. It it escalated quickly, yes. Um... Yeah, but she's she's running around. She's running back and forth from the from the flames. She's trying to extinguish the fire. The jukebox, the famous jukebox from that gets shot in the first movie and is the soundtrack for the second one. That burns up. That's a beloved character lost. <laughs> Does that make it personal enough for for Sheriff Wopat to finish well, this, see this through to the end? Well, it makes it it makes it personal just when he drives up to the smoking remains of the diner and sees Patricia Richardson sitting on the back of an ambulance being consoled by Sheriff Porter and uh, and and inexperienced interim Sheriff Hill. He doesn't even get out of his car. He doesn't even go up to his girlfriend and like comfort her and be there for her. He just puts on the gas, drives to Casper Van Dien's house and punches him in the face. I'm not going to lie. He kind of sucks. He's like not. She shouldn't like. That's just bad. I mean, it's <laughs> all right. Here, here's a new scenario. Tom Sheriff Wopat dies, and oh. Sheriff Porter's father and Patricia Richardson get together. Okay, I mean, so so this is we're we're kind of in a way we are like uh, serial killers of fictional characters who are romantically involved with Patricia Richardson. Patricia Richardson. <laughs> we need to. I don't know. We need to examine that in therapy. Both of us just crack okay, it open right. and see, see what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so and so I guess just you know while we're talking about it, he goes to to beat on Casper Van Dien in the face. But aha, Casper Van Dien was planning this the whole time. He has video cameras up at the house to record it, and now this means that Sheriff Wopat uh, will have a criminal charge. Well. He used to be a sheriff, now he's retired, but now he's running for sheriff again because there's a whole drama with the sheriff's election and the inexperienced interim deputy sheriff, whatever. It's stupid, but he's just trying to entrap Sheriff Wopat into discrediting himself by committing yeah. assault. And Okay, let's just take a side tangent real quick. Uh, me suggesting that? Can you believe it? You? Uh, to talk oh. about Johnny Rico's uh, goon squad. Yes. There's two of them, initially. Yes. The tunes until squad. they 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 get punched out by Sheriff Wopat. Yes. Uh, then in this moment, I like <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> they just open the door and this dude just is filming on a phone. Yeah, and he 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 has glasses, but they who, kind who of is look, he? They look kind of like Steven Seagal glasses for some reason. I don't know. I I don't know who this guy is. I like him because he's like the dorkiest goon in the movie. He's very much like the systems administrator who has been yes. promoted to gangster. Well, listen, he needs to up up the game of the security in the Atlanta office. Maybe this is his punishment is that now he has to come and do gangster stuff. <laughs> he has to follow Johnny Rico around on his like side hustles to become an influencer. <laughs> All right, we're going to step outside. You're going to you're going to film me doing Haikido. All right, everybody, everybody smash like and subscribe. I'm going to go ruin the sheriff's life. <laughs> um, 
also the fact that he has done this and he has entrapped uh, Sheriff Wopat in this way, ex-Sheriff Wopat at this point, uh, it's that it's that Casper Van Dien's character, Johnny Rico's character, his whole deal is he is obsessed with strategy and tactics and 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 he always is reading a copy of The Art of War or at least there's always one somewhere close to him because like every time we see him there is a very tight insert shot of a copy of The Art of War. It, there <laughs> there's never any evidence that he's reading it. But like it there there are just insert shots of that book throughout the film. It was introduced us to him at the Atlanta office. Uh, but there is there is one point when he's sitting on his lawn reading it, and we are introduced to it through a binocu- binocular shot as Sheriff Wopat is, you know, watching from the trees. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, is this an insert shot? Is this a POV shot? I I don't know. It's oh. It's stupid. But at one point, they start to negotiate Tom Wopat and and Johnny Rico, and mm. he starts throwing out um, art of warisms. Yes, to like <laughs> in in the like so out of his water, out of water, sort of out of his depths is what I was trying to think of. So out of his depths in terms of quote, it would be like if I started like trying to throw down applicable Shakespeare quotes right now. I I, I mean, and also it would be also about as intimidating as if he had been trying to throw out Shakespeare quotes. Like, I don't think anyone who has ever quoted the art of war has in like actually intimidated the person they're trying to intimidate. Like anytime I hear that, it's like, cool, cool. I remember my first beer too, kid. That's real funny. They're not, they're not supposed to be quotes that you just hurl at your enemy. They're, you use them as strategy so that your enemy doesn't know you're there. And they don't make you sound profound or like deep or anything like that book is pretty well known it's pretty famous also something for me i've not read the art of war i have however leafed through copies of it in bookstores it's like 80 or 90 pages long like i is casper van dien reading it for the first time has (laughs) does he read it every day like how at some point if he's built his whole life around it and he's in his late 40s early 50s something like that You'd think he would have memorized the 80-page book and doesn't need to keep returning (laughs) to it. It's not like something like the Bible that you can read many times, but there's so much content there, you're always kind of finding Mm -hmm. new meaning. Like, it's it's thin. There's not much. Maybe what we don't see is that uh, on the inside, it was inscribed to him by his father. (laughs) And it's just a a reminder. It's a reminder of how he shot his dad in the face, and it's like, yeah, that was cool (laughs) that I did that. (laughs) I think I think actually what's it, it actually the book used to belong to Johnny Cash. That was his copy oh. of The Art of War. That's why he's always singing all those songs about how to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, Do you think Sheriff Wopat would put Johnny Cash in jail if he jaywalked in his town? No, I don't. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure that Sheriff Wopat would let Johnny Cash slide on all of the shit that Johnny Cash was doing. <laughs> uh, to the detriment of Maxville County. Um, One last thing on the art of war. Uh, yeah. To to really drive the point home. Um, I don't know if you noticed that on his desk in Atlanta, uh, Johnny Rico has a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not. Just what? <laughs> I don't have a nameplate. I just have this white samurai sword. Okay, that's that's a that's 
dope as hell. And if I ever have my own office, I never will. I'm going to have a samurai sword instead of a nameplate. Just so second second question because there's no evidence of the contrary. Is is Johnny Rico in this an incel? Uh, I mean, it seems it seems like he is. There's a lot of fury and anger, but then again, maybe I am just associating Casper Van Dien with his role as Johnny Rico in Starship Troopers, where he really like that whole movie has a certain incel energy to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Well, so look, so okay, but but I think we should stay with Casper Van Dien for a second because okay. he loves the art of war and also. Okay, well, look, I mean, you, you were just talking about the really subtle uh, samurai sword on his desk, kind of understated. Another subtle, understated thing in this movie, a motif that a lot of people might not have even noticed, is chess. Did you notice any of the kind of, like... What? Softballed, like, a little bit of hints of, a, of like, how this is kind of a chess game? True. It's like you're playing chess and I'm playing, hmm, checkers. Whoa, that's a really good way of putting it, Landon. How how thoughtful, because one game is much simpler than the other. Did you know there's a lot of strategy to chess? It's kind of like war. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess, like, I guess uh, uh, Sheriff Porter's dad would play a lot of chess with Johnny Rico's gangster dad, and so chess is like a thing in the family people keep talking about. Oh, he would play chess with him, or oh, even in his last days, he was always up for a game of chess, or his favorite store at the mall was Chess King, or stuff like that. <laughs> and we never see Johnny Rico playing chess, but he and Wopat talk about chess a lot, and how he's playing chess, and, and Wopat's playing checkers. But then whenever they mention it, it seems like, or even when they don't mention it at that point, we get just, we cut to shots of a, of a very stylish chessboard against a black yeah. void and two disembodied hands, like, like, just like, you know, moving a pawn out. And then later in the movie, it's like, knight, bishop, like, j- <laughs> just, <laughs> this happens 10 or more times in the second half yeah. of the film clearly shot after the fact because none of it i don't even know if we see the chessboard in a wide shot in this movie <laughs> no no we don't we don't i feel like i feel like this was being edited at the same time as queen's gambit was getting really big online and the and the <laughs> people were like guys we we we've we saw that you mentioned chess in in the movie what if <laughs> now listen here, here's 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 tw- here's 20 bucks um but yeah, so I just a uh, sort of a big motif of of Casper Van Dien is a strategy boy, and uh, and for a while he's keeping Wopat and Hill and Porter guessing. But then eventually, uh, Sheriff Wopat, after seeing the copy of The Art of War at his front yard, decides, you know what, maybe I should give this thing a look. And so then he reads The Art of War on a Kindle that he steals from Nat Prattler, and then. And then that changes the game, and then he's able to art of war uh, Johnny Rico back with more schemes and strategies. Is this uh, is this indicative? Is this uh, uh, symbolic of uh, how technology can even the playing field? You know, once he yeah. has that tablet. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Sure. I mean, technology is also even the playing field in terms of recording him punching a dude. So, I mean, it it, it cuts both ways, this technology stuff. This is basically a Black Mirror episode. It's almost like I'm playing digital and you're playing analog. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, I, I don't know. I'm trying, I like the movie becomes, as I scroll through my notes, it becomes such a jumble of just uh, crosses and double crosses. I yeah. One, I, I had the hardest time from probably the moment 
when he decks him in the on the front porch through the end of the movie, just even tracking what was happening. I mean, there's the the like wounded soldier sort of moment after you know after the fact where you know acting sheriff uh dante hill is saying you know i gotta i gotta arrest you for this Mm -hmm. uh you you can't go around punching people in the face yeah but from but beyond that like i i I couldn't tell you exactly how all of this was going down i mean yeah there you know there's this crime wave that's being caused you know by by recently released prattlers there's uh there you know it, it just it seems like everything is going really bad the the way that the way that everything gets solved is the way that most tense situations in this movie get solved which is that one of the bad guys is pointing a gun at sheriff wopat or sheriff wopat and one of his friends and then sheriff Hill or Sheriff Porter will come out from behind so that person pointing a gun at them. Fucking movie. It's so many sheriffs, and some of them are sheriffs, and some of them aren't sheriffs. Sometimes they're interim sheriffs, and this is still, I think, the fewest total sheriffs that have been in one of these movies <laughs> at this point. Like, because like other movies had like previous sheriffs, the the once and future sheriff, sheriffs from another dimension where time doesn't yeah. even exist. Um, but but just the the big like. I think this is their greatest superpower, though, the three protagonists of, of Wopat, Porter, and, and Hill, is that unless you're pointing a gun at all three of them, you may as well not be pointing a gun at any of them because the other one is going to be behind you. Like, you can never—you have <laughs> right. to get the drop on all three of them, or otherwise you're, you're, you're done. You're toast. Um, Sounds like a really frustrating Zelda level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they are literally a Triforce. Um so, yeah, th- I mean, th- this uh, this eventually winds up with like Sheriff Wopat is able to. Th- there's a big there's a big undercurrent of I'm gonna cause a distraction to lure you away from a place, and then yeah. I'm gonna do something bad at that place. So a couple times with the crime wave, that is luring the only cop in town away from the police station, so Johnny Rico's dudes can break into the police station and steal incriminating documents or files or stuff that'll get like uh johnny rico off for the federal charges but then they flip the the script they turn the tables after he reads the art of war and then they uh, basically i don't know they 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 find some way that they lure johnny rico and his goons out of the house so that sheriff wopat and nat prattler can break in and put up a bunch of spy cameras and listening devices to record (laughs) and and hold them at gunpoint. Yes, and hold them like at gunpoint. At rifle point. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, they basically do a bunch of illegal surveillance stuff at at Rico's place so that they can get him on tape and incriminate him. And it's, I, uh, so that, that works. He, he, there's because, also, uh, you, tell me how this fits in there because we haven't talked about this aspect in a while. Uh, Sheriff Porter's father gets shot while in custody. Uh, yes, yeah. This is another of this is another big chess move. I think this is when the I think this is when they bring out the rooks. Is uh, he's <laughs> like the the FBI has realized, oh shit, this you know Johnny Rico means business. We've got to move uh, Sheriff Porter's dad. So they've got him in the safe house. They are walking him over to a car. The three federal agents around him, and this person dressed, this woman dressed as a delivery driver, walks up, pulls out a gun, shoots. Uh, Porter's dad a bunch of times and then runs off and the feds just kind of watch her go. (laughs) 
just very <laughs> yes well i mean there's one fbi agent in this world and he needs to make sure that the bulletproof vest worked I, so you know it's, it's either check on my witness who is either dead or alive either way probably doesn't need attention so much as capturing the person who tried to assassinate him i mean i mean all i can assume is that sheriff porter's de- uh, father is secretly a very influential civil rights leader because that's the only other people who the fbi has so utterly failed to protect boom topical um yeah th- but but he's fine though so i it, it like because he was wearing a vest we see this you know in a, in a cutback later and i don't even really know what killing him versus keeping him alive does because at this point he's handed over the evidence it's just never clear why anything is happening but retribution i think uh, on the the crime family's behalf i mean so after he gets shot almost immediately he goes back to atlanta to the mother the matriarch of the thing and it turns out guess what big twist She's the head honcho after all. Wait. She, Johnny Rico, hasn't been masterminding any of this. She's she's the the check. What, what's the check? <laughs> the, the, the queen? The, the, the queen. She, she's the queen. Well, the queen is more powerful than the king in chess. I mean, it really makes you think. Wait a minute. Is that what this movie's trying to do? Is hide the queen in front of us this whole time? You know, I think if I don't think the movie was trying to do that, because if the movie had been trying to do that, when we get the reveal that she's been pulling the strings, we would have gotten a shot of the chessboard, but then the frame would have widened. And then there was like a woman's hand moving one of the hands, like just to really make that clear to us. If it fair point, if it is not replicated on the chessboard, then it is not part of the canon of the film. Got Um, it. But wait, it is, though. It is. We there is a a pull focus I, i'm watching it in the background literally that moment just happened and we we rack focus to the queen oh shit this movie is deeper than i thought it was okay <laughs> i gotta load up all the county lines again i've been misreading these films they have layers and levels that i have not uh i'm not appreciating and once uh once tom wopat does it he turns the queen over mm-hmm. like you got me yeah well, so so okay, so they we find out that that Van Dien's mom is the one pulling all the strings, and uh, this this coincides with Porter's dad has been kidnapped now. Well, yeah, because he's there. He she has the hit woman who shot him take him hostage at the house. Sheriff Wopat and, and friends cut some deal with uh, with Van Dien to get him to meet them at an anonymous location and return. Uh, her dad in exchange for them not pressing charges against him or something like that so so convoluted yeah just incredibly complicated this naturally okay yeah no this is important so the reason that they're able to get him to agree to this is because he has talked to his mom on the phone about all the incriminating stuff that they've done and then wopat comes in and says oh we bugged your house and we have this recorded and we'll give this to the feds unless you uh unless you give back her dad so they go to the they go to the the rendezvous, which is in an abandoned warehouse, naturally. Uh, and Wopat is there alone, and Van Dien and his thug are there with the money and the other things they've agreed to give them. And then they pull out their guns to try and double cross Wopat and shoot him. But click 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 click. What? Their guns are empty. And Wopat <laughs> reveals through a flashback that yeah, when we broke into your house earlier to put up cameras, we also took all the bullets out of your guns. So so just you know, and then these these career criminals. The next day, when going to kill a guy, did not... They just picked up their guns and assumed, yeah, these are loaded. We're not going to check. Why would I check? 
It take me like four whole seconds. Why would I check if the gun's loaded? They don't. They don't have any gun handlers in organized crime. I, I you mean, gotta cut corners somewhere. I guess you gotta. I I suppose. Well, listen, and this is this is, shows why you need to really invest in your own organization like that. But so yeah, and then and then he pulls out another gun. It's like, well, I didn't have this one in the house. I had it in my truck, and he starts shooting at at uh, Wopat with it. But it's full of blanks. And up oh, flashback, they loaded that gun with blanks. And it's like, how how long did you spend at his house? How did you know where every one of his guns was hidden? <laughs> this is yeah, I I, I could I the, this end warehouse scene lost me in a in a big way. Like I could not follow it or really care to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> A lot, a lot was going on. The editing was just the, the constant flashbacks, and I got to be honest, I was really distracted because the the hipster guy that was filming Johnny Rico being an influencer, yeah, is holding a gun. Like, I, there, there's just something about I don't know this John Delaney looking guy <laughs> holding a gun at waist level that is just the least threatening thing in the world, and that's even before you know that the gun is unloaded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's holding it like a 1940s film noir. Like he's he's gonna like if he did shoot it, he like he, and he does. Oh my god! I, as I said, I'm watching it in the background. He kind of like juts his hand out, like he's like his, the bullets coming out of his finger almost. Oh yeah, like he's yeah he's like, trying to pew pew. I'm gonna fling the bullets at you, make it make him hit even harder. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so and then also the, this this rendezvous goes even further south when then the lady assassin jumps out of the back of the van with Sheriff Porter's dad, but also with an AR-15 and starts spraying bullets at our heroes who dive yeah. out of the way. But then do we do we mention lady assassin is the daughter is like Johnny Rico's sister? Oh, I didn't realize that. Or, I, she she works for the family. Yes, I, I don't know course. if it's his sister or not, but yeah. I mean, I, and evidently she's not bummed that he killed their dad. Of course, it seems like he killed their dad at mom's order. So maybe the, maybe the whole yeah. team was in on it. But for an expert assassin, she's a terrible shot because she sprays all these bullets at close range and just completely misses she- Wopat and Hill. And then, as usual, the old, the old Tom Wopat special, uh, Sheriff Porter comes around behind <laughs> the van with a gun and gets her, uh, gets her from behind and takes her gun away. Yeah. And then... They're fighting, and then Hill goes chasing off after the hipster dude and flying tackles him. Like, th- this is a sheriff who can run and who can tackle. I don't think he's inexperienced. I think he's more experienced than the current guy. And uh, <laughs> then Wopat chases after Casper Van Dien, and they have a they have a showdown. A showdown beatdown. Is there fear in the showdown? I think... I don't... Th- I think there... Actually, yes. I think there is fear. Let me explain... Uh, let me explain this. Casper okay. Van Dien is doing uh, doing some uh, contractually mandated uh, kickboxing, uh, just doing a lot of roundhouse kicks and just uh-huh. smashing uh, Wopat in the face, and it's very much like, yep, well, this- he was. <laughs> we did see him. I mean, it's true in the universe of this because we did see him doing karate on his lawn. Yes, there is an extended sequence of of uh, Sheriff Wopat in the woods doing surveillance, just watching Casper Van Dien in his backyard in a gi doing karate and it's oh, this is fun this is this is good i like i like watching people watch people do karate secretly it's my fetish <laughs> um God. but uh so they're they're fighting in in the end and he's doing all these roundhouse kicks and it's really and you're th- th- at this point it's really like yeah i am watching a a younger man beat the shit out of an old man it really is tough <laughs> and then he's got him in a in a choke he's taken him down and he whispers into wopat's ear that you know when i burn down the the, the diner, I made sure to do it when Maddie was there. I wanted her to die. 
And this is what gives Sheriff Wolpat the strength to stand up and shove him off and just punch him in the face a million times and take him down for good. Um, I think that what gives him that strength is fear. It's oh. it's fear for Maddie's well-being and this recognition that if I don't if I don't kill this guy, if I if I well he doesn't kill him, but if I don't defeat this guy and he wins, Maddie will never be safe. And I am so afraid for her, even though she doesn't want to be in my life anymore because of the nature of me, I cannot let any harm come to her. And that fear is what drives him. So uh, I think you just hit on County Line 4, the nature of me. <laughs> it should be just County Line 4, fear. But I guess the nature of me is pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, I think all those punches, uh, he, he punches him hard enough that the FBI decides to come and do their jobs. And he gets uh, he gets taken away. And, and, and he's actually, no, we don't even see that. No, he just, he literally headbutts him. Van Dien falls down. I am retired. And then it just cuts to him at his second retirement party. We don't even see what happens to Casper Van Dien. We, maybe he did die. He punched him so hard he died. <laughs> he just, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to talk poorly about the elderly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if anyone had a head to kill someone through a headbutt. <laughs> it, listen, he headbutts Casper Van Dien, and the second that his forehead connects with Casper Van Dien's, everything else we're seeing is like a, a fantasy dream concussion-induced dream playing out in Tom Wopat's head as as Casper Van Dien kind of, like, shru- shrugs it off, takes him down, and then uh, goes off and does more crimes. Like, all of this, it's like the end of Brazil, uh, where it's just, it's this is just in his head. He is, he is oh out cold. Uh, listen, I shouldn't talk too much about how much he's huffing and puffing while he's running around and throwing punches. Like, I feel that way at 40, so you know what? He's, he's, He's doing what he can. You know. You know what? Here's something though. I, don't headbutt people. If you're fighting someone, <laughs> that's the dumbest way to fight. That's the most valuable shit in your body. Why would you do that? Use any other part of your body, short of your testicles. I mean, I'm not even saying they're more valuable than your brain, but that's more debilitating to get hit there. Just like don't don't smash your central nervous system into people. It's so counterproductive. I've never thrown a punch. I've never been in a fight. What do I know? I'm trying, oh, I'm, I'm trying to tell people how to fight for their lives. I'm trying to tell people what to do when a gun is pointed at them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chicken hawk. I don't know this. Um, the end, That's though. That's the movie. Well, the, the, the last thing we get is from him headbutting this this dude and standing over <laughs> right. his crumpled form. We then cut to Wopat sitting on his porch strumming Johnny Cash's guitar and singing a song about how you should stay away from the county line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he asks Patricia Richardson to marry him, and she says yes, and yeah. With re- with we real tears, by the way. She whips up some real-ass tears for this movie. She does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have a few kind of lingering notes here. Sure. Okay, Um, toward the end there, uh, I, I think it's when... Well, let me let me go back one. When when they're having that big showdown of reciting uh, Art of War at each other. Yes, <laughs> the, the Art of War <laughs> off, yeah. <laughs> the at one point Sheriff Wolpat goes, you know what? Chess ain't my game. I'm more of a poker man, and you just got bluffed. <laughs> yes. I think you just got bluffed. And then he like nods and walks off. And based on the context of what was happening in the scene, I don't think he's using that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe he's like, bluffing like, about being a poker man. He's not no one's bluffing. Like he he just won a hand. Like, I, I, 
like he he did the things that he said he did. Like he wasn't bluffing. He did. <laughs> he he won. <laughs> I'm, I don't play chess. I play poker. And you just got go fished. <laughs> um, but then later, I think when they're uh, he's getting ready to like go to this big showdown, someone I can't remember who it was, but someone says they need you to, well, to Sheriff Wopat, and I'm who, like, do they? Like, like, <laughs> does yeah, anyone we, need this guy? I mean, I hate to, I hate to put people out to the pasture, but like, does anyone really need him anymore? <laughs> I mean, again, that is that is the weird concept at the center of this movie is this man. You know, everybody knows it's very clear. He he's just not he can't move around that much. He's old, he's decrepit, but that that he is also such a fearsome force for vengeance that that the sheer knowledge that he is occupying the sheriff's office keeps people from doing crimes. It's it's like he is the he's the glue that holds this entire county together. The notion that that if if he's not sheriff anymore, our county of abandoned and non-abandoned warehouses will truly, truly crumble and fall. <laughs> Maybe he's protecting him to make sure they stay crumbled. You yeah, exactly. about that. He, he his whole his whole point is just he has to preserve the current state of the warehouses. The ones that are broken down stay broken down. The ones that are intact stay intact. There needs to be a perfect equilibrium of warehouses. <laughs> And Prattler Brothers. Yes. It, well, no, no. The, the, there's Prattler Brothers are an invasive species who I think the, the fourth movie is going to be about, it's going to be called Prattler season. It's just going to be like go, them going the purge and hunting Prattlers. The most God. dangerous Prattler. Um, at one point when uh, Patricia Richardson and Tom Opat are fighting, uh, when she realizes, remember... Um, he said he was going fishing, and he mm-hmm. comes back and like just puts a fishing vest, a clean fishing vest on. It's great, and it's great. lies straight to her face. The worst cop. Uh, she gives him the look. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, she does. I mean, that's yeah. Like, again, it really does feel like she's she's Jill by way of Dolores. I guess you know she's got that kind of <laughs> because like Dolores, she runs a restaurant and right. uh, and and has to deal with a cranky Vietnam War veteran. Wow. It's pr- wow. Really, really makes you think, doesn't it? It, it uh, does. I, I also, like, when she's first, when she first finds out that he's lied to her the first time about going to Atlanta, uh, he, he, she's made him wash dishes in the, in the sink and back as punishment, and they've got one of those hanging hoses there where you squeeze the thing on it and shoots high-pressure water, and during the fight with him, because she's so mad, he's, like, making some weak-ass excuse, and she starts squirting him with the water from the hose. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I, I, that it, that is up there with watching her shoot someone in undue influence. <laughs> well, I mean, she fired that shotgun in the first County Line movie too. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Instead, yeah, that, that her shooting the guy in the first movie. I guess I I guess she was accused of shooting someone in undue influence, and I don't remember she what actually I saw. Shot someone in undue influence as well at the end. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I blocked out a lot of undue influence. That was a long time ago, and that was a <laughs> lot of movie. That was just so much. <laughs> All right, I got one more, one more p point of interest. Poi, no, you've got one um, more. You've got one more poi for me. I've got one poi after you. Okay, uh, and it it revolves around this budding romance between the two sheriffs. Yep. First yep, of between all, Sheriff Porter and Sheriff Hill, interim inexperienced Sheriff Hill. I, I initially put it on him, but I think both of their flirting sucks. It's <laughs> it's it's not good at all. It's it comes absolutely out of nowhere halfway into the movie, like that they even have interest in each other, and 
and yeah, it's bad. It's cringe. I don't because also I think they're both pretty good actors, uh, especially especially Denim Richards who plays uh, interim inexperienced Sheriff Hill. Like I, I like I like both of them, but like yeah. them the way that they're kind of just like making eyes at each other. But I think I think they're also sort of hamstrung and don't know what to do because Insp very clearly does not want them to touch or <laughs> express well, any hint of amorous interest or physical lust for one another. That goes to my second point, which is like when when he does ask her on a date, he doesn't really ask her. And she goes, are you asking me on a date? And he says, yeah. And then they proceed to have fast food at his desk in a sheriff station. Like, what's his plan? <laughs> like, this is not how you set a mood, dude. I, no, it's not. I mean, maybe like, it's <laughs> at least go. I would like to take you out on a date right now. Clearly is not the time. Let's set aside some time later this week and we'll do something that is more romantic than having a Prattler brother in the next room. I mean, I think on some level it's supposed to be like part of what brings them together is they're both married to their jobs. They both love police work and that this to them no, is romantic. This is the stuff we're supposed to learn from our past generations. I oh, Well, no, yeah. The, well, that they've bought into rise and grind culture and having no work-life balance. I mean... Yeah, on, exactly. Yeah, okay. We, yes. We see the shell of a man that Tom Wopat is at the end of this movie at the beginning of this movie at the at the beginning of the at the beginning of the first movie when it's just him and three pigs <laughs> eating eating nothing but eggs barely what, any relationship those pigs i mean i the pigs, uh, the pigs do not make an entrance in this movie yeah we were asking that question in the last movie too and i think we came to a pretty dark answer there is bacon consumed <laughs> at some point we're about right barbecue country um, Here's my question, though. Yes. Uh, so I, 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 this is the, the all been leading to this question, which is, should this this love be successful mm -hmm. and they consummate a marriage? Let's just go with the insp yeah. uh, <laughs> mentality here. Yes. They they get married and they consummate. Yes. The, for would the first time. Would their offspring be a dual county citizen? <sighs> Well, no, Landon, the, their offspring would be a citizen of whatever county it was born in. Also, like, it, it's not like if you're the child of two people from different counties, you become, like, bi-countial. Like, that's not, <laughs> like, it's not like they're, it's not like, like, her eggs and his sperm have, like, the name of the county they're currently residing in printed on it. I don't think... <laughs> do, you, do you know that for a fact? I guess I don't. It's not hand... There's not, like, a chessboard or anything about it, so I can't, I can't check it against that. <laughs> Well, no, but I, it is an interesting point. I would think that at least if they get together, if they get married, I mean, does that mean that the two counties become one? That it becomes Yorksville County or something? That's what that goes all the way back to my question about gerrymandering. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, maybe that's what the fourth county line movie should be about, is about the county line being erased, and then there's just one county. Also, how often are there sheriff elections in these counties? Every 45 minutes, constantly. <laughs> these people are never not electing a new sheriff. <laughs> Will there be a movie in the future where they both have to run for re-election but decide, you know what, I'm not going to run for re-election. Re I'm going to run for regular election in the opposing county. So could Sheriff Porter become the sheriff of York, uh, Maxville, while Sheriff Hill... Or Tom Wopat, Sheriff Wopat, become the sheriff of York. That would be that would be pretty wild if they just swapped 
like they swapped counties like like uh county line for county swappers uh <laughs> that 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 is a little bit less esoteric of a subtitle that one wears its heart on its sleeve a little bit um <laughs> Also, it's it's amazing to me that Sheriff Hill was like running unopposed for sheriff initially in this movie, because in previous movies, it seems like the election for sheriff is like the biggest shit that goes on and everybody wants it a is. piece of that. And we didn't we didn't mention it, but the the sheriff turned real estate mogul does decide to run against Hill at one point in this movie. I don't think that's ever resolved, but yeah, we never I mean, except maybe he gets. Does he get caught at one point? I don't even remember. Like, he's such a side character that I can't even remember seeing him in, like, the back of a cop car at the end of the movie. I think Casper Van Dien got headbutted so hard that that guy dropped out of the election. He, he got he got his ass kicked so bad by an old man that, that a bunch of uh, swing voters changed their minds and voted for the inexperienced sheriff to be their sheriff. Oh, God. Um, I, I, that's all my notes I have for this. What do you got? I, the only other thing I want to say is that Denim Richards, uh, who plays Sheriff Dante Hill, uh, has been on 45 episodes of Yellowstone, and I just want to say, good for you, Denim Richards. I, I, I like I like him. I think he's fun in this. I think he is a highlight, and uh, I'm glad that he is, has a recurring role on a very popular TV show and is making that money and getting that SAG insurance. Um you know, th- thumbs up, thumbs up to you. Basically, if you're listening, yeah, uh, I, I, th- I thought you were good in this, and I feel like you, I feel like you have plenty of experience as a sheriff, and it was cool when you tackled that guy. <laughs> I think two hours and twenty minutes into this, nobody's listening anymore except you and me, Truman. Yeah, well, okay, well, Truman editing this episode, head in his hands, wondering why we talked about this damn movie for so long. I think you're great. I think you're a good editor, and I think that this has been a great use of your time. <laughs> I, I, you know what, Truman? I will second that. Truman, you are a good editor. And uh, you know what? Even if people check out long before this, I've had a great time for the entire duration. As have I. As have I. Well, this is great. My favorite part of the show when we give me little affirmations. The truly living the only child dream. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Let's. Uh, I, I say let's pack up our bags and leave these counties behind. Let's go back to the city where there's all these gangsters and stuff. Okay, good fellas. Here we come. As far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a county. <laughs> uh, I, as a little post amble here, um, don't know where we go next week. It's going to be a surprise to all of us. Ooh. So stay tuned. <laughs> Even Truman and I don't know yet. Um, so uh, we are still getting our shit together as far as the, the podcast is concerned. So. <laughs> You can expect at least one or two more of these bonus episodes before we return. Ex- expect us to continue to be confused and stumbling in the dark, but we will get there eventually. We will find that light switch. Sometime. Uh, I guess that's it. So I will just go into the outro, which goes a little something like this. It's great. If you enjoyed today's show and want to become an official sponsor of Grunt Work, consider becoming a grunthead over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Uh, where you can get access to our Gruntwork Nights episodes uh, for as little as $1 a month and help us keep the shit plugged in and finish the show the way it was meant to be finished. With a functional um, website. Normally, you can go, uh, for, for posterity, go and rate and review us on your podcatchers. If you're listening to this when it's released, you can't do that right now, but eventually, go do that. Yeah. Um. Or stop by to say hi to us on Instagram 
you know what? I, I, I pop into Twitter. I don't, I'm not active on it, but I pop in. So if you want to say hi on there, I'll see it eventually. It's hard to look uh, away from Twitter. We don't, we don't like to admit that we're still there. My therapist does not know that I'm still going on there. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a dumpster well, fire. I, guess what? Your therapist is the only other person who's gone this far into this episode. Oh, man. I, and my, ther- my therapist is also Tom Wopat. So we we're going to have a really <laughs> difficult session. <laughs> Shit, you got a headbutt coming for you. <laughs> uh, you can do all of that over at Gruntwork Pod on any of those platforms, uh, or visit our website, which is where you're probably listening to this episode, if you are at all, which is... If you just look up there in the URL bar, you're going to see www.gruntworkpodcast.com, and depending on what browser extensions you have, maybe you've got HTTPS colon slash slash up in, at the front of that. But um, yeah, that's where we are, gruntworkpodcast.com. Uh, HTTPS. Just want to make sure that because they they will hit a uh, an error page if they don't put the S in there. Oh, they. Oh, um, I thought I thought I, in- I thought I included the S. You should definitely have the S after HTTP. That's the only way to fly. You might have. I zoned out one hundred percent. Okay. I mean, uh, listen. We're being yeah. We're being honest. I zoned out as I was saying it. <laughs> Until next week when we bring you something. I've barely been Landon Solano. And I'm almost Truman Caps. And remember, stay away from the county line. Never trust a criminal. You can't save the world. Who says? Why are you supposed to be retired? I'm working on it. (laughs) 